Hello everyone and welcome to the Pura Puri podcast. This is the first episode of 2022, New Year, same order shit, um, but enough about this podcast. Uh, my name is George Thompson and with me I have David Forrest. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. So here it is, January the 4th. Fun. <laughs> it's having fun. <laughs> That'll do. Great. Good Good intro. And uh, with us as our guest, we have our resident January the 4th wrestling expert at Oysters Earrings on Twitter. It's Luke Healy. Hello. Very happy to be back. We're Very happy to, to make this an annual tradition. Yes. Well, we'll see, we'll see if our annual, technically is annual. We've done it twice. So um, actually three times because we did... Uh, uh, 2020 as well, uh, but that was a sort of different kind of deal. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to review the uh, the big January, the fourth show. So um, if you listened to it last year, you may have remembered we did a little bit of a bait and switch on you. We played a funny prank where we pretended we were reviewing uh, New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom and then we um, instead decided to review the Tokyo Joshi January the 4th Itinion show. So we're not going to do that this year. Um, never let it be said that the Puro Puro podcast runs jokes into the ground. All right. So we're not going to do the same thing as we did last year. What we are going to do is we're actually going to review the big January the 4th show. All right. So let's start um, as we did last year with the Rambo. So um, it was the Rambo. It it was a match that happened. Deep breath, George. Have you got the Have you got the list of competitors? Uh, I I did have it, and then I closed the window, and I don't know why. <laughs> so I'm just going to uh, I, get it up once again. I had a proper existential crisis during this match, right? Because <laughs> I, I I'll be fully honest. I've not watched a shred of non-Yano Wrestle Kingdom in at least two years, right? At least okay. two years. So anything that doesn't involve Toru Yano, I have not watched, right? So I used to like the Young Lions, right? And there was a moment in this where Chase Owens came out at the start, and I was like, oh! And then, I can't remember who the other person was, but there was equally grown some, and I was like, right, it's got to be better than this. And then a Young Lion came out, and it was... Dang, 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 dang. And I was like, okay, cool, Young Lion. I don't know who this person is. That's quite cool to see them. And then next one was... Dang, 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 dang. There was another Young Lion I didn't know. And they just had this conveyor belt where they brought out, like nine young lions I had never heard of in a row and I was like have, have I like hit my head have I just like been completely wiped of any memory of New Japan these people are like main eventers and I just don't know it because I, I was so lost I felt like like when my dad tries to if my dad was to try and watch New Japan I felt like that it yeah it, it was very strange no idea who they were but I mean good luck to them <laughs> yes, um, the full list of uh, competitors. Uh, I'm just going to run it down because I have actually got the uh, cage match open. So uh, the aforementioned Young Lions, uh, Kosei Fujita, Ryohei Oiwa, and uh, Yuto Nakashima, or uh, Honshu as he's also known. That's a linguistic joke. Uh, you'll, you'll get it in about an hour. We also have uh, Chase Owens. Um, I, I know he's called, he's pronounced Doki, but I always call him Doki. Um, Aaron Hanare, uh, Master Watto, Bad Luck Farley, Toriyano, Minoru All Suzuki. All the stars Tomitabe, are here. <laughs> <laughs> Tomoaki Honmo, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Yuji Nagata, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, Takamichi Noku, who's out of the adultery-related doghouse, Satoshi Kojima, and then your uh, surprise entrance, who were Shima and uh, Tatsumi Fujinami. So, um, who was, I think, where his robe said it was the 50th anniversary of his debut or something. Here he is. Um, so, this was the usual mixture of legends, um, sort of New Japan old timers, and associated chaff who weren't important enough to actually have a match. 
um, at, at the Tokyo Dome. So, um, I had a fun game that I played during this. Now, I think you might enjoy George as well. You could probably join in look as well, but you do need to know literally anything about New Japan, so maybe a handicap for yourself. Um, what is the least... What is the least sexy New Japan singles match that they could make? I guarantee they were both in this ramble, right? (laughs) And the reason I think this is because at one point, I think it was Chase Owens versus, but Chase Owens versus maybe Tomoaki Honma. And I was like, <laughs> that was literally the two names I was and then thinking. I, and then I spent a solid five ten minutes thinking about this, and I was like, I ruled out Honma because even though Honma has been genetically rebuilt like Robocop and can barely move, um, he does do the Kokeshi headbutt, and I did quite like him at one point. So I'm like, okay, he gets past Badlock Fally's immediately out of the picture because all his matches are Badlock Fally matches. Just a big guy. Can you can you cut down this tree? That's all his matches. That's not that's at least vaguely entertaining. And then Doki came out, and I was like, oh, now then, um, I was like, Christ. And then I was like, isn't Yoshinobu Kanemaru? Yes. Yeah, I think he he is worse than Yujiro. Like he he is. You know, Kanemaru is like, he's the luckiest cunt in Pearl really because like he basically joined Suzuki Goon as part of the Noah invasion angle when he was like the sort of old stager of the Noah Juniors, and then he just came with them when they returned to New Japan, and he's just been there for the last six this, years doing absolutely fuck is all. Is this like how when you um you know how if you look at like a non-league like football association or whatever, and there'll always be like one football team that's in abeyance. They just doesn't actually participate or whatever, but they're still a member because they're good guys. I feel like Yoshinobu Kanemaru has been in abeyance for a solid about six years, but he keeps paying his fees. So, you know, you can't get rid of him. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think these matches are sort of proof positive of the fact that in poor promotions, you do kind of have a job for life if you want it. <laughs> um, and, um, I mean, there were a couple of things I liked. I thought um, Hinare showed some good fire. Like I quite I quite enjoyed him. I enjoyed Master Watto. Um I liked when Minoru Suzuki came out and this should not be a surprise that one of the only actually exciting moments in the match was provided by Minoru Suzuki when he just came in and just tapped out all of the young lions one by yeah, one. He didn't bother with the young lions at first. He was kinda like he he'd been talking about how like, he was in with the, the Mac Ito and uh, Chris Brooks in that tag match and he he seemed very chill and he's, you know, he, 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 you know, he, he kind of got this air that he was a bit more at peace with himself, and he came in, and you're like, all right. And then a young lion decided, I'm going to go for the big lion in the jungle. Fuck it, I'm going for Minoru Suzuki. Was immediately murdered. And then and then he was just like, right, well, I need to finish a job now. So he just murdered all five of them. It was quite wonderful. I, I did quite enjoy it. I did make me want, want though, they should just do a young lion's rumble at, Ooh, at the yes. dome. Just have, like, a ten-man scramble. Of young lions and just have the ball <laughs> scramble. The scramble, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think that would be far more fun. Just having them all have a have their FA Trophy vinyl at Wembley. Uh, are they all wearing black trunks? Because yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that could be confusing. Yes, yes that, they that are. Would be They've the all got the same part haircut. Of it, is that they would all be wearing exactly the same? Um, <laughs> because that, that would admit it. Look, if somebody said to you, "There's a 14-man scramble match at the Tokyo Dome," we're like, "Okay, I don't care." They're all wearing black trunks and black boots and look identical. You'd be like. I kind of want to watch it now. Yeah, that's that's avant-garde. Yeah, that, yeah I'm, I'm into yeah, that. That yeah. would be great. That would be far more exciting than any Kajuchika Okada match to me. 
Yeah, yeah I, I, I certainly enjoy watching that more than fucking Chase Owens or 2022 Tacker. It would be like, um, a, 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 like a giant human centipede Boston crab. Eleven <laughs> 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 like people put each other in like an octagon of, human, of Boston crabs just like crawling around each other and going fully around like a look to look. <laughs> that would be the greatest spot in the wrestling history and I want them to do it now. You, you, you might even call it a Pervopolos. <laughs> There you go. Um, so, uh, and the, the I think the the other sort of the thing about this match, and uh, as it was last year, uh, kind of the the worst thing about the um, Rambo last year was that you know in the past there had been a winner, even if if it was fucking Michael Elgin or Jado, uh, both real winners of the uh, of the New Japan Rambo, by the way. Um, but uh, this time uh, there wasn't even a winner because uh, basically if you finished in the top four, then you got to qualify for the. Yeah, you got to qualify for the King of Pro Wrestling title, and it was at this moment that I had I got real TNA fight for your right reverse battle royal vibes. I, I loved it, Toriano. I hope Toriano does this every year. As you know, Toriano is the king of strong style and the greatest wrestler in New Japan. But do you, you know what he, what he did? His master plan is he was the last person to came out. He came out just as the fifth person got eliminated, and there was only four people left. So he, I don't think he even made it to the ring. And he'd won the match. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure last year he got to the ring and maybe eliminated one person and then was declared the winner. And I hope that he just kind of does this in more absurdist. Like, he just turns up late when there's, like, three people left and he goes down to the final, like, the final three and he just runs down for his entrance or whatever. I think he should just keep doing this because it, it was it was my genuine highlight. It was the fact that Toriano done fuck all and he won. You talk about the luckiest man in pro wrestling. Toriano won at the Tokyo Dome by doing literally nothing. See, I think that's like, you know, for all that we, we might have issues with the sort of lack of creativity in New Japan's booking or whatever, what that's, what really sings about that to me is that that's exactly the kind of booking I wanted for, do you remember when Chris Jericho came back with the light up jacket and he <laughs> yeah. was, and he, and he, and he was cutting those promos where he wasn't actually saying anything. He was just going, come on, baby. Um, sorry. I thought you meant his new Japan run. Oh no, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, going back quite a few years now, that's what yeah. I wanted him to do because he, he came back shortly before the Royal Rumble and I wanted him to come back not say anything at any point other than come on baby and then like walk into the royal rumble as number 30 when and like batista with like 20 29 yeah yeah exactly and they just eliminate you know they just take each other out and he just walks in and goes come on baby and like points at the wrestlemania sign Uh, so Yano is actually did. Yeah, Yano is kind of living out my head cannon here. Yeah, so so there's some Sorry, Yeah, it's like like Yano is famous for you don't need to take any bumps against Tony Yano. Neither, <laughs> neither does he really taking that to the nth degree of literally he doesn't even show up after like there's no bumps after he turns up. He just it just ends. It's like oh no one's taking any more bumps and was like, Thank God I can go and get my cupping technique now and you know <laughs> go back into my wheelchair 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I triumph. Eight stars. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, the, the winners being um, Toriyano, Minoru Suzuki, Sima, and uh, Chase Owens. And uh, they had a four-way match. I will say, I have not watched the second night, and I literally only watched the Toriyano match in well, Bennett. So... Well, what, what I was going to say is I don't know who, who won that match and I don't care to. So. I care. I care. The King of Pro- the Monarch must continue. You know, that. remember that guy who turned up um, when um, Harry and Meghan threatened to leave and it was a guy with like, the Union Jack cat and the medals and stuff like that and he was, like, the, he was this head case outside Buckingham Palace talking about how he was upset that they might lose the, the title of the Duchess of, Duke and Duchess of Sussex. That's me with uh, Toriano. Um, I'm that guy. I'm one of those weird people that turns up before the royal baby. Um, I'm, I, that's me for Toriano, uh, the king of pro wrestling. <laughs> um, one of four kings that I... Um, Recognise all of King Diamond, Burger King, and King Crimson, and no, no other. <laughs> that, that's the real four heavenly king. Um, okay, so that's uh, that's about as much as we can uh, say for the pre-show. So let's get into the meat of the matter. So, um, so we're not doing any of that uh, Tokyo Joshi stuff. We are going to be covering the real big January the fourth show, which, uh, of course, is Gake no Fuchi Joshi Pro Wrestling Clockwork Gake no Fuchi 2022 Gake no Fuchi versus Prominence. So try saying that after a couple of pints. <laughs> and you you will notice i am uh, stone cold sober although uh, some of my takes might not be but uh, that's uh, that's as maybe um so before we sort of get into the show um i think uh, luke being our as I say as i say january 4th expert um if you just explain a little bit first of all about what is gake no, no fuchi pro and who is the mastermind behind it yeah i'm glad you didn't ask me to explain Miyako Matsumoto there because um, that that would be quite a tall order I think. Um, but Gake no Fuchi is a kind of avant-garde micro promotion which was um, established by Miyako Matsumoto in 2011 uh, uh, for its kind of first run and was then brought back in 2019 um, under the cyber agent banner. Um, much to uh takagi's chagrin um <laughs> uh, so so there's this there's this kind of interesting pattern uh, you know that that join that links together gakinofuchi and prominence which is that ice ribbon um is the promotion that sort of gave rise to both of them ice ribbon is a promotion which is kind of favored by uh you know hardcore fans in japan i think we can say um it's quite out there it's quite left field it's quite quirky um but there seems to be this thing that happens where people uh, get established with ice ribbon and then realize actually this isn't quite left field enough for me so um for whatever other reasons were involved in 2012 emi sakura uh, who founded ice ribbon left um to create gato move I-, I think like i say whatever other reasons were involved one of the big reasons she did that was because she wanted to try and export Japanese wrestling to Southeast Asia. Um, so G- Gato Move was uh, originally based in Thailand. So that's one example. Um, prominence is the most recent example. Um, so it's a kind of, um, they're calling it a group, not a promotion. Um, so it, it's um, Suzu Suzuki, Risa Sarah, Hiragi Kurumi, Akane Fujita and Mochi Miyagi. And they've all kind of split away from ice ribbon um to create this group which is going to be dedicated to, to sort of female deathmatch wrestling um but the 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 other one 
uh, Gaki no Fuchi. This is Miyako Matsumoto's brainchild. This is this is her sort of. She considers herself an artist. Um, she says that I think on her um, uh, Twitter bio, like, like mm-hmm. she's a wrestling artist. And Gaki no Fuchi is her sort of attempt to realize pro wrestling as a sort of experimental avant-garde art form. So um, after she relaunched it in 2019, uh, in 2020. Um, she ran a show which had no people at it. Um, it was just an empty ring with like a uh, sound collage playing uh, that sort of yes, told yes, the story it, of a match. Yeah, it uh, wasn't uh, empty, not just empty arena, like there were no wrestlers in the yeah. ring. But there was um, a match. Which, there was which, a match, yes. Yeah, which happened through sort of um, special effects and sound. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, it, it, in its previous iteration as well, I'd... I haven't actually seen any of the first iteration of Gakuno Fuchi, but there is one kind of beautiful fact I know about that first run, which is that you could only watch it by winning DVDs from a gacha machine um, <laughs> Amazing. in the in the ice ribbon bar. Um, it's very good so, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and to be honest, I you know I'm not sure that Mi- uh, Miyako Matsumoto would get that reference but I think once you explained it to her she would be like yes that's exactly what I'm doing I, I um, mean I, I I think there's a non-zero chance she's heard of Luther Blissett because uh, correct me if I'm wrong she's an she's an art school graduate yeah she? like she did attend art school like it's not just that she considers herself an artist she has studied it and she is specifically influenced by certain artists many of them avant-garde uh Dardarist, surrealist etc yeah absolutely I, I I would not be surprised at all if she um if she'd sort of researched the situationists at some point yeah, yeah. Uh, on, on her way to arriving at this, at this project. But yeah, as, as I say, and, and I think this is one of the things that, that I find really interesting about this show, I think is that, is that in the second run of Gaki no Fuchi, she, she has the backing of, um, you know, the, the play it for laughs that, that Sanchiro Takagi, the president of DDT doesn't, doesn't want to, uh, support Gaki no Fuchi, but he sort of ends up repeatedly getting pressured into putting money behind it. Um, but but ultimately, yeah, that that's that's a funny joke. But the fact is that that now her you know her kind of project is being backed by quite a large organization um, as far as you know pro wrestling in Japan is concerned. So it's really interesting to see how she is developing the idea of the, the the promotion after getting the the cyber agent backing yeah i mean this is on this show is on a, a different scale to previous gakinofuchi uh shows because they have they have done january the 4th uh the last few years uh so it, it is actually has actually become an annual tradition but generally speaking in the past the gakinofuchi shows have tended to be just a single match yeah uh, uh, generally involving match, yeah yeah like was it when when did when was it uh miyaka matsumoto versus Chris Brooks was that 2020? Yeah, tw- that was uh, January 4th, 2020. I, I think yeah. like if you watch the the Miyako versus Risa Sarah match on on this show, that's basically what a Gaku no Fuchi show was like. Yes. Um, uh, so the first one, she she did that kind of match against um, Jiro, and then yeah, yeah and exactly. then it was Chris Brooks and, and... Uh, last, last seen having diarrhea on NXT 2.0. Oh, oh good for him. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she also had a similar match against um a rapper called Cypress Ueno. Um ah, yes, so yeah, so so that that's generally been how the shows have gone during this run. But with prominence 
coming into being now it it, it does feel like there's a a sort of step up um there's there's a move into into sort of new territory maybe which i think we'll sort of get into when we discuss the main event maybe yeah i think so it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting time in joshi wrestling at the moment with um the advent of uh, not just prominence but also uh, colors becoming its own group uh, and they've they're running shows so that's a breakaway from actress girls um and i think this a lot of the future of joshi in the you know, short to medium term will be these sort of not freelancers but you know sort of roving packs of uh, wrestlers who will show up in different promotions as a unit it seems like the because when when prominence was uh, launched i've never seen the twitter timeline go so quickly from the skies falling into actually this might be really cool yeah because you know it's five Ta- uh, you know, fairly core talents from Ice Ribbon saying they're going freelance, and also Mayuki, who is not part of Prominence, but she started freelancing as well. And uh, but the the relationship between Prominence and Ice Ribbon seems fairly amicable. Like I I think they will continue to work with Ice Ribbon just purely based on the fact that um, Akani Fujita actually won uh, the Fantastized title at Ribbon Mania at the end of 2021. Yeah, so I think... It, yeah, sorry. there's some relationship there, I think. Yeah, like like what... <laughs> it was interesting with Ice Ribbon last year that um, because there was the fa- the Fantastized title was, was introduced um, towards the end of 2020 and there were some silly matches, um, some some silly sort of title defenses, like when Yuki Mashiro challenged in a over the top rope only rules match and and that kind of thing. But but by and large, it tended to sort of have hardcore rules. Um, and so you you had a situation in Ice Ribbon last year where you had those Risa Sera defending the Fantastice title under hardcore rules, and then you would also have Suzu Suzuki having a hardcore match as part of her seven seven match um uh, uh what, what did they call trial it series. Tri- trial series yeah yeah, yeah. um uh so so you, you, there were quite a lot of like major so i'd say sort of corican level ice ribbon cards last year that had like two death matches on yeah <laughs> and, and and part of me wonders if you know the 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 president of ice ribbon maybe thought mm, this this is maybe a little bit too much um uh, you know it's it's a it's a direction that the that the promotion is was sort of happy to foster in a certain way but then maybe not happy to fully commit to um, yeah i think i think that's i think that's fair a fair point and um i think just in in, in terms of some of the uh, women who have joined prominence like um, Risa Sero and uh, Suzu Suzuki and Akane Fujita are known for their hardcore match and their death matches, but Karumi and uh, Miyagi sort of less so. Um, so I mean, they've done them, but they're not like known for it. So I think they this might be a sense of them wanting to come over and be part of prominence and you know testing the waters of something they've not really had the opportunity to do too much in Ice Ribbon. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's certainly very, it's certainly very interesting. And uh, I mean, they, they certainly have made a splash, um, quite early on already. Like they're, they're certainly in the, the wrestle universe family, but also elsewhere. Um, so yeah. I'm I'm so happy for them. I, I mean, I I don't want to go on a rant here, but, but, um, seeing, so, so seeing Drew Parker in this, in this show, um, really hammered home for me how, you know, I think so, some people who who are maybe natural supporters of the biggest promotions in the industry, say yes. New Japan, Stardom, whatever, mm-hmm. um, tend to take this line that 
you know, wrestlers always ought to go where the money is. Yeah. And and that's what Will Ospreay has done, you know, uh, it's what Zack Sabre Jr. has done. Um, but we don't like them. <laughs> we like Drew Parker because he has followed his actual dreams and he's become the exact kind of wrestler that, you know, he wanted to be, even though it's not the most profitable path. And watching him, you know, because I, I used to watch him um, in the Frog and Bucket in Manchester, um, uh, you know, sort of testing out testing out the waters of, of what he's gone on to become and and I was I, I was I haven't watched BJW I don't watch it as sort of a matter of course but just watching him pop up in this show it just gave me this moment of clarity of like there are so many easier ways to make money in life than by doing pro wrestling and, and like it, it's it, you know it shouldn't be an argument it, it, it's like if you if you're doing pro wrestling, you're already a bit weird and mad and follow the dream, follow the, the, the weirdest, maddest version of that dream that you can. And he's done that and he's achieved great success and he's really, really respected in Japan now. Um, and, and I really hope, you know, that, that this, this move, this prominence move, you know, has, has similar effects like that, that people really, sort of appreciate their conviction in 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 following this path that that isn't just going to start i mean them, you yeah. i mean uh, it, it very much ties into the sort of gacky no and the stuff we we're talking about before but you know um you know it's, it's the from list of wrestling and that like that that sort of stuff like i mean you and i uh look our into our bizarre avant-garde music and stuff like that we know people who've done it we've done it ourselves and stuff like that and nobody really makes money out of it but people do lots of really interesting things and you enjoy it knowing you'll never make any money of it in fact um a, a friend a friend of ours Kay um logan who goes under the name helena cell i remember mm. she was very vehement about like not wanting to put her stuff out on labels and stuff or or try to make money off of it like if, if possible for a while because it was a case of Again, it's much like the reason we don't do a, a Patreon here, apart from when we're going to read the Renama. But, um, uh, <laughs> but like the reason we, the reason I don't like sort of Patreons and stuff for like that is that we do it as and when, and we do it because we enjoy it and it's good fun and it's the the purest end of what it would be. Whereas if you start commercialising it, you end up losing a little bit of it. You have to make sacrifices and compromises and not put in lots of libelous stuff um to, to, to make it profitable and like yeah you don't always necessarily have to do that and that absolutely should be commended yeah i mean i was talking to sarah earlier and uh, saying i quite like that on this podcast we don't put content out because we feel we need to have a take on something we we record stuff about the, the things that we're interested in. And I would say I'm, I'm like you guys sort of in my field, which is literature. Like, do you think I fucking wrote The Rise and Fall of Ricky Dozan to be profitable? I fucking um, hope not. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm up to three figures of, uh, of uh, takings on that now. So, uh, yeah, all, all of which is to say, in short, that Gaki no Fuchi is something that I, I think kind of resonates with, uh, with all of us. Uh, so the intro to the show is, uh, so Miyako Matsumoto comes out singing a song to this kind of MIDI keyboard uh, backing uh, with this guy with her Please who is basically... Please give respect to the do... Gaki no National Anthem. Please all rise. <laughs> salute to the Gaki no Fuchin National Anthem. <laughs>
and there's a, there's a guy with her who's basically doing the little John role. He's just going hi 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 like <laughs> after, I, this, this, after every honestly, line. Honestly, this ended me. I was already done by like before the bell had rang. I was already gone. I, and it's funny, like so I watched off late at night, and my wife was going to bed, and I put this on. She's going to bed, and she went for the room and came back for it to get something. And it was just them going with this this silly regal march, and a man going hi 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 and. Every, and then, like, as she was leaving the room, I just heard her start singing along, going, hi, 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 as she was walking away. <laughs> and I was, it, just, it just killed me. I was like, this is the greatest wrestling show of all time. Yeah, yeah. Luke messaged me when we we decided we were gonna we were gonna do this episode and said, um, "I really hope David likes the show." And I said, "I have never been more certain in my life about anything than the fact that David Forrest is going to like Gakeno Fuji Pro." <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, she she does an intro. I I didn't I didn't really understand most of it. Um, the who is the guy, by the way, because he crops up later in the show. Munanori Sour from Big oh, Mouth Loud. <laughs> oh, it's that guy. It's a fucking hell. Lingerie Muto, yeah. Oh, it's that 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 explains something that we will see later in the show. Which do you I'm remember? Not, I'm not going to spoil. Do you remember Evolve books him? They did. And they were like, this is the greatest like Japanese wrestler of like you know like he's a strong style legend. And they put it over like fucking Volcan was coming over, and like it was the only show he did when he actually like was Minuno Sawa, and all the other shows in WrestleMania he wrestled as Lingerie Muto. I love it. Can you that imagine Evolve. if they'd have if... just? Imagine if they'd have built him up like that strong style legend and then he'd come out as Laundry Muto. <laughs> I, I kind of wish I but I just love the idea that, that, that was Laundry Muto already books and Evolve thought we can make money out of this or did Evolve book him and he's like, oh, I don't I don't really want to do that. I suppose I could do some other shows as Laundry Muto and you can have your thing because it's, you know, it's your thing. It's going to be a, I don't want to like tarnish it or anything like that. You know, this is a legacy. This is going to be here for like 30 years. Like, you know, um, it's not like you're going to just go take a job with WWE and then put it for the shredder <laughs> and it'll all be gone in two years or anything like that. Right, guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that... Um... You must respect the lore of Babatundi, former Evolve champion. <laughs> it's, it's like the thing you... Uh, like, it's, it's, a, it's a truism about... Uh, you know the, the 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 real shoot style legends, like the real hard bastards in wrestling, are the ones that don't feel the need to take themselves too seriously and show how hard they are. Like I think of Minoru Suzuki, but also Hikaru Sato, for instance, who is always doing like loads of weird shit in Yoni Yama's Fed, and so, Sakura Hirota as well. Sakura Hirota, yeah. yes, yes, indeed. Um, so uh, yeah, so then we come to the opening match after the uh, intro, which is the match that I think drew a lot of people to this show, um, and they they opened with it for uh, well, the, the reason was it was very brutal and. Both these people did double duty and needed time to recover. So uh, the match was uh, Chris Brooks versus Suzu Suzuki. So um, Suzu Suzuki, we've mentioned previously, uh, she is a noted deathmatch sicko. Um, she started wrestling when she was about 16 when she started. She's only like 19 now. Um, but she's basically really into death matches. Chris Brooks is the smartest man in Brit Rest, i.e., he got the fuck out of Brit Rest rather going was good and just went to DDT and did essentially the same kind of silly shit that he was doing at the aforementioned Frog and Bucket he in Manchester. He actually won a watch, didn't he? I mean, what a man. <laughs> the, the, he, he jettisoned yeah. himself on that escape pod <laughs> right on time. <laughs> It's like it's yeah, literally Mr. Burns and like uh, there's there's room in the pod for two people and like Drew Parker just like uh, <laughs> takes the second seat. Um, so yeah, and I think the re- the reason this match intrigued people is firstly because you know it's Suzuki doing 
uh, you know, a hardcore slash deathmatch, which is always a good time. And secondly, Chris Brooks is a extremely skilled wrestler uh, in intergender matches uh, because he's, I mean, he, he doesn't seem to be a prick in the sense that he sells an appropriate amount considering, you know, the, the size differential, but he doesn't like no sell everything like a dickhead. Um, like he sells as the narrative of the match dictates an appropriate amount and get, always gives his opponents a lot and makes them look good even when he's going over. Um, and so, and that had a lot to recommend it in the same way that, uh, you know, Suzy Suzuki's seven match death match uh, trial series, when she was against someone who gave her a lot. Um, like a Masashi Takeda, for instance, the matches did tend to be uh, more entertaining because of that. And the shape of things to come uh, is displayed by a second, uh, putting a ladder in the ring as Suzu's entrance music begins. And then also a board with some forks um, attached to it, just uh, propped up in the corner. And then Suzu comes out with a board with a load of, I have no idea what the fuck you call them. They're like small tambourines. Bells, because her her name means bell. Yeah, her, yeah, her yeah. name means bell. But like, there's bells attached to a plastic. There's little little tiny tambourines, and uh, but that's one of her things. She uses bells in her uh, in her matches, and uh, they give each other the finger um, at the start, which I really enjoyed. And um, so, really, the the story of this match is um, Suzu kind of tries to get the upper hand in the opening. Eventually, does so by standing on. Chris Brooks's toe, and mo- most of this is like um, them hitting each other really fucking hard. Like um, I, I had never before appreciated just quite how good Suzu's strikes are. Like there was some absolutely sickening stuff when they were just belting each other on the outside. Like Brooks was chopping the fuck out of her, and then she was like just absolutely caning him with a fo- with a forearm. Like uh, that was really good. Yeah, I mean she's trained with uh, Sakushi. Haruka, so so well, yeah, he's yes. he's the best striker in the game. But God, I this this match is like, uh, I, it, it could not be more for me. <laughs> really. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like and and just sort of everything, like like the facts. You know, they didn't announce the the order of the matches on the card. So so they did the intro, and then Susie's theme is the first theme that plays, and I was like losing my mind at that, and then hearing prominence suzuki suzu for the first time i was losing my mind at that um but then i think what what you know i I, so (laughs) i was never not going to like this match um but but i think what makes it work brilliantly and this is why i think chris brooks is is an absolutely fantastic worker for you know for for the niche that he's found for himself um he is able to look like a a dick but one you know uh, you want to see him get beaten up and he's he's always been willing to to kind of um not necessarily not not look like a dick in a, in a cool way where he gets some credit and cachet from it no but no. but but to come over like just an asshole that you yeah that you want to see get his comeuppance yeah it's just um, like it's when like you know drew parker's there as well we mentioned him earlier like he's just coming in and running interference at brooks it's just like two grown men like ganging up on a 19 year old girl <laughs> it's just like there is nothing heroic about this they're just scummers yeah exactly and and like so so a lot of um the the matches that suzu had in that trial series were kind of um like they they were brutal you know and she and she fought really hard but but because this was a a, a kind of um you know 
she was really going out there, you know, in terms of what, what she was pushing herself to do. And, and this was a form of wrestling that this was the form of wrestling that had got her into wrestling in the first place. So mm. you could sort of feel that she was, she was happy to be there kind of like, like she was, she was enjoying exploring this new terrain. Whereas I think now she's sort of settled into it. She feels more comfortable in that terrain. And here she was able to project really well in a, in a sort of, she, she was like pissed, you know, she was angry with Chris Brooks through most of this match. Um, yeah. and, and you could really feel that, that there was like a tension to it. Um, and she, you know, she's, she's not just sort of fighting for herself anymore. She's fighting for prominence in, in mm. prominence's first sort of appearance. Um, so, so that was really compelling um yeah you know. it was like i think um i think i think you're right like and across the trial series she, she sort of grew into this uh into this style and i think that you know yeah it became something she had a passion for which she was sort of dipping her toes into and now she's an established uh deathmatch wrestler and i'm not going to go into this too much because we kind of talked these vls on the uh the last uh, big egg podcasting universe uh, episode episode 10 where we talked about the juniors um i remember but um, Luke, I remember this uh, particularly made you enraged when uh, she did an interview with a, uh, another podcast, who I'm not going to name, um, but um, she talked about sort of her love of death matches and they were basically like, oh no, you don't need to be to be doing that. And it's like, I mean, this is just such a very disrespectful thing to uh, to say to to someone who is you know, clearly very passionate about this. And like, you know, you there, there is a very much an element of like, you know, please, please don't, please don't sky yourself of my pure beautiful waifu um and um you know you know she she's clearly fucking exhilarated by this like would i want to do literally any of this shit absolutely not but she's clearly just having a great time and you know there's there's there really is something uh to, yeah to the point where um was it the Takeda match where her and Takeda actually had to put out some statements because mm. certain people online had thought that the match was too brutal and uh, Takeda put out something saying, no, like, I really respect her. She's doing what she loves, so leave her alone and uh, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. You know, there's these... Should we, should we just say that in the same way that a lot of people who form parasocial relationships with Joshi wrestlers tend to really take it personally when they retire of their own accord because they, like, want to do something else? You know, telling a... Telling a teenage girl what she should or shouldn't be doing with her life is i might argue not a great look <laughs> so stop doing it you stupid cunts um th- now that being that being said see i've, I've sort of um I, i'm i'm ranting so you don't have to luke um yeah, thank you uh what now <laughs> you absolutely can right so i mean you know i have no tolerance for joshi goblins right uh their no. pods come a lot of them i mean first of all the wrestling fans who wants that um but <laughs> I've always done it this way of, as you say, she loves deathmatches. She got into deathmatches when she was younger, and that's the thing she loves. It's the same way in that I was really really into death metal when I was a kid. Well, I still am, but you know what I mean. Like When I was a teenager, I loved Napalm Death, Morbid Angel, all that. And my friends did as well. We met friends through it and stuff, and we'd, all, we'd form bands. We'd go, we'd play with people. My friends had played with the bands that they listened to when they were like 15, 16, that was like the biggest thing in the world for them, is getting to play with some no-mark death metal band that nobody cares about outside of the death metal scene, but they got to play with them and got to say hello and stuff like that. And it's a really, yeah, really I mean, big I mean, moment. you've sung with Deathwank. I have indeed sang with Deathwank, yeah. Um, um, <laughs> good guys. Um, but 
and it's just like silly, silly stuff like that, whereby like you do, you do your own thing, and you're like, I, good example, singing with Deflank. You know, obviously, if, if people hear about that and you know, are heard Deflank, um, they'd be like, that's that's nonsense. You're wasting your time. You know, all that, and they're like, well, no, because I enjoy doing it. It's fun. It's it's what I want to do. It's, it it has a resonance with myself, even though it's Deflank and it's just me going. Mah! But it, it, I enjoy doing it, and I totally empathise with um, Susie on this, and that she loves death matches and wants to do it because she's grew up with these. She's been influenced by these. Her her life has been changed by them because you know it's what you know got her into wrestling and stuff like that. Why shouldn't she do it? And um, no, I, like, I, I don't. Again, it's not. Again, it's not. It's not your place to say what she can do. It's not your. It's not your body that you're making the choice over. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's up to her whether yeah, she wants ex- to do exactly. it or not. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, I think our, um, I, I think it says a lot that uh, I've known you for like six, seven years, David, and I know that you're like you're involved in all this, all this music, and you perform these with these bands and release your own music. And I still have no idea if you know how to sing or play oh, no, an I instrument. Don't. <laughs> I actually don't. Um, like, that's <laughs> I thought so. It's very gacky. No, I, I call it the the gacky yeah. no future philosophy. <laughs> um, just you know, anything is possible. Um, but but yeah, like I mean, I I would like to talk about the death match for a little bit because I I have a bit of a a, a mixed love with death matches. Um, so I obviously love Onita matches. Um, you know the big bomb matches. I watched a recent FMW show, and I enjoy Onita doing them. I don't enjoy other people doing them as much. It, like they can do it stuff. But I, I enjoy Onita. There is a personality. Like there is very much a craft to it. That's kind of you know, not for not not for everyone. Uh, I've always said one of my favorite deathmatch wrestlers, and it's very much saying my favorite thrash metal band is Megadeth. But um, Abyss, I love Abyss, right? I think he's one of the best deathmatch wrestlers of all time, right? Uh, because he takes deathmatch wrestling and he makes it he makes it palatable. He makes it onto a more mainstream platform, and it's not a scuzzy Delaware, you know. Um, veterans of Warhol that with like forty people and they've all got hepatitis C and stuff like that, and it's like you know they land on their neck and get paralysed or like cut them and like or like have to go in an ambulance or whatever or get airlifted out of a farm. None of that, right? It's it's proper well done death matches for a mainstream audience and may not be for everybody, but it's done in a way that is very accessible. And if you're ever going to like this sort of stuff, that's the that's the key, you know, that's going to be the sort of entryway for a lot of people to doing it. Same with the Moxilla Mega matches. I absolutely love them because they take something that is unpalatable and put a palatable sheen on it. And I think Suzu does it in this. I think she's very, they, they, they crafted a death match that isn't, again, just about people going through 80,000 plates of glass and hitting light tubes off each other all the time and stuff. And you actually think about it and the spots are there and it's a well-crafted story and yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's, yeah, it was great. Well, I think you've hit on something there because you know, yeah, would this match have been as good had it been just some rando playing Suzu's role? If it had been, say, Schlack, that's a really bad example because he, <laughs> he wouldn't have been capable of doing most of this physically. But um, it's the fact that she has this personality. And uh, Luke, I remember you were really drawn to her when she first debuted, actually before 
any of us knew that she was into this kind of stuff when she was that rookie whose debut got delayed because she crashed her bike and got injured and then her entrance was just her pretending to ride a bike in a way that made you question whether she ever actually had ridden the bike before <laughs> um so yeah she's she's really got the this magnetic personality it's compelling because it's this gangly dickhead and his mate against this this little weirdo um and uh but i mean there's some fucking brutal um spots in this i mean the the bit where brooks puts her in the camel clutch and does some sort of pantomime with a drink which ends with him squeezing some lemon into the wound that he uh just opened up with a chair uh those screams of suzu seemed very real yeah i'm sure <laughs> they were, yeah yeah I, i'm sure that absolutely fucking sucks um and uh then there's um i mean the avalanche butterfly suplex into a load of thumbtacks uh, was um, and I, I especially enjoyed the bit where Susie always has a bucket full of bells, uh, nice red festive ones in this uh, situation, and she tips them all over herself and then like, does spots with them. And Brooks had his own bin which was full of tacks, and then rather than tipping them over himself, he just tipped them over her. Because like, yeah, why would you tip them over yourself unless you're an absolute head case? I love and... that. I love that spot so much because I, I think this sort of goes to David's point about how this match really told a story. Like Suzu it has she throws herself into these death matches with yeah. with the enthusiasm of a very young person who's you know uh, like feels like she's invincible and is uh, has just learned how to do all this shit um and brooks has you know been around for a bit longer and 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 the cynicism of of that spot where where he's like oh i'm going to i'm going to sort of you know match her her you know bravado in tipping tipping this bucket of like bits all over herself oh no actually i'm not i'm just going to throw her into it instead yeah, it, it really it really sets up this sort of dynamic of of suzu being a, you know a bit naive maybe but but essentially um you know enthusiastic and heroic and 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 kind of <clears throat> you know yeah just just throwing yourself into it whereas brooks is more calculating and cynical and sort of manipulative yeah. I, I mean there is but chris he, he's, he was undercuts himself i mean i think this was actually unintentional but like right after when he uh butterfly suplexes her into the tax he goes out and starts looking under the ring for a chair and he can't find it and then drew points out to him that the chairs were already in the ring and there's a real sense have you ever seen that clip of 2010 tna where x-pac is trying to find a weapon under the ring and you can audibly hear him going where the fuck is it what are they gonna fucking hide it and um so i mean that was um and this led into another uh absolutely horrendous spot where um brooks sort of props up the board with a little tambourines on them between the chairs and then um Suzu tries to powerbomb him through it and it doesn't work so he she just staples his ass <laughs> and then uh German suplex him off the top rope and he doesn't go through the board as such his head just basically twats off oh, of it like that 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 had yeah, to hurt that, that was that um, was the one for me where I was like Jesus Christ I I I, I audibly jumped I was like oh my Christ I... yeah there's like nothing the, the thing about this match is it's not like is not smooth and perfect like there's a german that drew gets given to him where he basically just lands on his shoulder it's really messy but like it doesn't really matter because of the of the the energy with it uh, it's also got one of my favorite things in hardcore matches which is people who aren't the undertaker using caskets yeah. <laughs> and, and in something that's not even a casket match you've got a little crucifix uh on it and um the 
yeah, it's 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 just really good that uh, that bit where um, there's also some mad ladder spots where like um, uh, Brooks gets superplexed off of it and Suzu spears him into the fork board, um, and um, the. The, the, also, the, like the other real sick shit, uh, right near the end, is that um, they basically just go back to belting each other, and uh, Brooks puts the ref in the way uh, to sort of fox Suzu, and then hits a stunner, and then he like puts a load of tacks in her mouth. You know the spot where they put some tacks in someone's mouth, and then they, and then you super kick them, and then he misses the kick, and then Suzu spits the tacks at him, and then kicks him in the balls immediately yeah. afterwards. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, that was pretty that, raw. Absolutely that. incredible, and that <laughs> that leads into the finish, which is uh, her trying for the German suplex, which is kind of one of her calling cards. And then Chris basically gets her on his back, and then just fucking falls into the casket like um, Ryback's backpack stunner. <laughs> if we remember that, and then the finish is the uh, double underhook pile driver onto the casket. It's like, yep, that will do it. <laughs> yeah, like doesn't that just show? This is the first match that yeah. um, prominence of of ever done and it ended with suzu receiving a praying mantis bomb through a casket <laughs> it's like if that doesn't tell you something about their ambition you know in terms of the kind of spectacle that they want to to create yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, you set out you set out your stall when you do a match like this um it was it was really really fun like uh it was just yeah just a, a well laid out death match where they both did a lot of horrible stuff to each other suzu bled um as she, as she likes to do and uh and yeah it was it was just really fun like two big personalities doing cool shit with those of wacky weapons and um yeah yeah what what's not to like about that um, well you say you say two personalities but i do i do think drew parker's role in this match is, is oh yeah is yeah really, absolutely really just, interesting well, like he... linda caught like we were watching she's like who's this dick get him fucking out <laughs> <laughs> we're actually like if you're you know if you're at the football or something and there's a bad decision and the referee gives like a yellow or a free kick or whatever and you're like oh fuck off right now. like she probably just went into the person in the terraces just shouting at the bad decision you're like and, ref and, get him out and drew was happy <laughs> drew was happy to go like what one thing i really enjoyed is you know he he's won the the like B, uh, BJW uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, deathmatch climb, whatever it's called. He's he's had the BJW deathmatch title, but then but when Susie gets the staple gun out, he's like, she's got a stapler, she's got a stapler, and like it loses his mind over it. And 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 again, it's that it, it, Brooks is really good at this as well. Just that not always having to be cool, you know, like yeah. like like sort of being cowardly, being a dick. Um, and and respecting your opponent by doing that you know re- respecting your opponent by not sort of um by not respecting them <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like not acting like you're too good for uh, for what it is you're doing or like having to act like oh you see this see this little girl she can't possibly hurt it's me it's a William Regal uh, principle you... where he would always yeah. he always stooge and do all the sort of silly slapstick comedy and fall at the ring and fall on his arse and all that and have everyone laugh at them because he understood that that was that was the sort of role of you need you need to be able to laugh yeah. at the heel and you know the Schadenfreude that we wish on centrus every day. <laughs> Name your top five regal comedy pratfalls though, David. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, it was it was a fantastic opener. Um, they had to spend quite a lot of time clearing the ring, so we we got a I would oh, describe it as a performance. Oh, <laughs> It's incredible. So basically, uh, Munano Isawa comes back in this sort of 
folk music starts playing while they're clearing up the ring, and he comes in um, dressed as you know one of the one of the Chinese dragons. Um, I mean, the dragon head keeps coming off, a la Dragon Dragon in Chikara. Um, and he's basically doing this performance while the the people are trying to clear all the tacks and the bells and assorted debris from the ring. I like to imagine he symbolizes the terror that stalks uh, Joshi rookies are being told off for not disinfecting the ring fast enough. Because <laughs> um, they're trying to do all this while he's like uh, dancing. Then he takes his shirt off. And uh, puts on this very, very, very nice dress. I was going to say, I, I thought it represented the, the haunted spectre that haunts all NXT UK employees. <laughs> it's like it follows, but like, um, yeah, he 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 does a. He doesn't sing as so much. He sings a bit. He's not very good at it. Um, he That's does a dance routine. Which... George, you don't need to be good at singing. To <laughs> no, sing. that... That is true. Um, he uh, does a dance routine, which includes playing air guitar on a broom, the most yada thing you can possibly do. Um, I'm very surprised he didn't have a tie tie around his head. What is Hiroshi Tanahashi doing in the Impact Zone today? <laughs> he actually was in the Impact Zone. That's the scary thing. Um, but yeah, so it was a, a musical treat for us um, to kill a bit of time while the ring was made all nice for the next match. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. And then he came back for an encore because uh, they clearly needed a bit more time. And then, he came back and then another encore. encore. <laughs> <laughs> he would not fuck off. Oh. And he was taking flipping bumps <laughs> during his second encore, so just good. singing a little bit and then just doing somersaults and landing on his back I, in the I ring. one of the encores was the same song as the first one. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, this... I love I love this so much. Like it was just it, like, the first time it happened. Oh, I'm like man. this is so weird. I love this, and then he went away, and I was quite sad. I was quite sad that he went away. I'm like, oh, and then he came back. I'm like, he's back. Yes. <laughs> and then he came back and sang again, and then he went away. Goes, oh well, he's definitely away now. I am. Not, I can now officially be sad. And then he came back again. I was like, fucking yes. Um, I, <laughs> it, it's you know what it was. It's like if you ever go to a classical music concert, and then like after they finish playing, you know. Beethoven's Third Symphony or whatever and then like they take their bows and the conductor goes off and the crowd's applauding and the conductor comes back in everyone stands up and takes another bow and then he fucks off and everyone's still applauding like what was he going to do yeah and then the conductor <laughs> comes back on this, this will happen up to like eight times um, Pavarotti once apparently got like a 45 minute standing ovation once. I, um, it reminds me of um, a deep cut here um, I was Amy McDonald's first ever gig <laughs> Um, she put she went to school with me, and she done the school talent show, and um, she won because of course she did. She's a multi million selling recording artist. Of course she was going to like win when she was sixteen or whatever, um, and she won. She sang a cover of Madonna, and that was fine. And then like as is in, in traditional Eurovision style, they come back at the end to sing it again. And this is the last day before school before school finishes. So literally, when Amy McDonald finishes singing, we are done for the year. That, that's the rule, right? <laughs> so everyone's like, okay, you can come back, you have your second one, that's absolutely fine. And, um, and then she does it again, and then the, the teacher goes, wow, that was amazing. Does everyone want to hear it again? And you know how, you may know how that part in The Simpsons where when Martin says, does somebody say box kites? And he goes, no. <laughs> that was the entire school going, no, we don't want to hear it again. I think they want to hear it again. And then they, they, she'd done it a third time, and everyone was like, oh, no. Um, oh, this is far God. better. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> the best encore I ever did was um, 
when we we literally just finished and we actually done an encore and then this really drunk guy um came and demanded that we play uh, too much too young by the specials which we had played earlier in the night because uh terry hall who was the singer in the specials had just died and we needed to pay tribute to him so we did so and then found out that terry hall out the specials had not in fact died and he still has not died <laughs> still going strong um i like imagine if he'd done this in a wolf Imagine that yeah, <laughs> I will wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. However, <laughs> when, uh, during the intermission, I want to just that either that like then like you'd have like low key versus like, lingerie mutual. That would have been the proper one. But yeah, I think I would love to see him do this and evolve. It probably been the best thing of all I've ever did. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, absolutely would. Um, imagine how many burners Gabe would have had to set up to uh, deal with the fallout from that. <laughs> um, so yeah, the next match we have got. So the uh, the the mastermind behind Gahei Nofuchi Pro, Miyako Matsumoto, is taking on Risa Serra. So some things to know about Miyako Matsumoto. So Luke kind of touched on it briefly about her sort of associations with Ice Ribbon and Emi Sakura. And, uh, and the fact she's a singer, she um, sings her own entrance theme. It was a different song to the one she did in the beginning. The thing about Matsumoto is she's a, a, she's a deathmatch wrestler as well. And she pretty much always loses. She takes a lot of punishment. I mean, this is best exemplified by the fact that she once had a 20-minute Ironman match against Amy Sakura that she lost 11-0. <laughs> the, the old San Marino Which... routine. Why did they, like, they have them? They should do a preliminary round for Matsumoto. <laughs> <laughs> they should have a preliminary Actually... round to get into the qualifiers. I actually think that was what Amy Sakura said after that. <laughs> you know, no, they, they you should... have to show them the respect. It's their big day. You have to give them the respect for this. You know, they're a well-organized unit. She should wrestle Lulu Pencil and Hina <laughs> before she gets to tangle with the big boys. They they do say 11-0 is a dangerous lead. energy to that one. Yeah. And yeah, so her gimmick is basically um, she's sort of a kawaii kind of character, but she's also a complete psycho. Um, the other thing as well is that she is always claiming to be 21 years old, um, like literally every year. Like I, I forget what it's called, but like, the day in which sort of people celebrate becoming adults in Japan. It's like, it's not a birthday, but it's like the same day every year. And those who turn 20 during that year, um, like there's a celebration and they put in their like fancy gear. And like she does this every year, always claiming to be the same age, despite the fact I think she's like in her mid to late 30s. <laughs> that's, that's a very good gimmick. Um, Risa Sarah, um, heralded deathmatch wrestler, uh, and kind of, she's the sort of figurehead for prominence, really. Um, and she, she comes out in a black robe and a barbed wire kendo stick. Um, I seem to remember that she had had plans to retire, um, possibly at the end of 2021. So I'm, I'm very glad that she appears to have... Um, <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have fucking retired at the end the, of 2021. The story that I heard was that she was going to retire when she got to 30, but then at the, around the time... Five years. So. Yeah, well, that might may be it, but... but around the time that, that that was kind of scheduled to be coming up, I, I remember Yappy... Um, ice ribbon wrestler who does a lot of sort of english language correspondence um kind of making these quite cryptic tweets about how uh people sometimes mistake things that they read through machine translation okay um so i i don't know if that was ever actually true 
But it, it, in any case, she she has not retired. I do like, uh, like yeah, well, yeah. a running joke of her saying, I will retire when I'm 30, and then consistently just saying she's 21. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you kind of combined these two women's gimmicks, um, that would be very good. Yeah, okay, well, I'm very, very glad she's, uh, she's uh, not retiring. And um, she's... Um, I mean, yeah, she's and uh, very proud of um, her deathmatch um, you know, background. I think she she did a photo shoot last year where it was it wasn't like an erotic photo shoot, but there was like some sort of bare skin, and you could see like all the scars on her back from all the deathmatches. And I thought that was very cool. So um, yeah, she, like she's 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 again like real into this shit. And um, I, I think it was like I remember you saying, Luke, like. She's very much someone who, like, oh yeah, she could have been like the 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 ace of Ice Ribbon and like the undisputed top dog, and then because like she's a great wrestler, and as our friend Jose often says when we're talking about someone who is attractive, she looks like how she looks. And, <laughs> um, but uh, and then she kind of started. Nah, actually, you know what I'm gonna do? Yeah, there was a great year for that. I think it was maybe twenty. Uh, I want to say twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, yeah. where she was sort of still in the title picture, the main title picture but there seemed to be this current running through it of like oh i can't be fucked with this i just want to do death matches like and this this was before you know ice ribbon had introduced the fantastized title which gave her that that you know room to explore and she was so she was like yeah she was kind of challenging as one of their top wrestlers but every time she was given the opportunity to um to do like a produce show or something it, it was always just her doing these insane like one hour deathmatch gauntlets um so yeah she's she's definitely uh found her feet now i think yeah absolutely like clearly absolutely gagging to do more of this so the the match starts out kind of because I've, I've seen both these women wrestle before and the match starts out sort of quite normal Right, they're doing a lot of they're doing a lot of grappling, and then um, a whistle um, sounds, and the rules get changed to a sumo match. So it's like, okay, it's one of these. Like, DDT... is it the old Duchess of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. Like DDT doesn't. Yeah, for the extreme title in DDT, they do stuff like this where the rules change every every so often. And um, so um, Sauer is back out, still in his dress, um, to do uh, sumo. So I think he is representing. Uh, Miyako and uh, Hiragi Karumi, who doesn't wrestle on the show, but she's part of prominence, comes in to uh, represent Risa Sarah, and they do some sumo, and she absolutely owns him. And I mean, she is a big lass, to be fair, but like she just uh, absolutely destroyed the guy, and then Miyako beats Sarah up for disgracing him, <laughs> and then Risa puts him in a pendulum hold. And um, so basically, kind of like the story of this match is this is kind of like the the format for most of the. Uh, the Miyako Matsumoto Gaki no Fuchi shows where there's like a point system uh, which is like it's literally like whose line is it anyway like where the uh, the, the rules made up and the points don't matter um, and uh, for example there's a whistle while um, Matsumoto trying to pin uh, Risa Sera which uh, happens on a number of occasions and she keeps hitting her after the whistle and then like Derby County she gets a points deduction <laughs> she gets like docked like six points for it and then there appears to be so I I think they had a staring contest. That was the right. This is the this is the the comedy segment. Of yeah, the yeah. Match. So, um, it, it, what was supposed to happen? What was supposed right. to happen was that that Risa Sarah was supposed to do a little comedy routine, right? Okay. An, an impression, um, and it was Karumi versus Miyako, and yeah. the first one to laugh lost. Um, okay. But on each of the three occasions that Risa Sarah 
was getting ready to d- deliver her impression, um, Miyako just started laughing before she said anything. Um, <laughs> which I think she throws herself down, defeated, and once again she's corpsed before she's even started. I, 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 I was completely gone at this point when she was just just losing it every time. It was it was so funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we used to do this thing. These there's this web. The, I don't know if it's still around. But there's a website called um, the Fifty Shades Generator, which will basically uh, generate some sort of like randomized sort of paragraph of erotica, uh, like really really bad stuff. And uh, the idea was we used to play this game uh, where you had to try and read the paragraph aloud without laughing. <laughs> and there was this like Ben the Iceman McNiff, one of my friends. He like he would laugh like along with or when everyone else was reading it. But when he did it, like that cunt never laughed. <laughs> he was so good at holding it together. And uh, yeah, basically the opposite of uh, of Miyako um, in this. Um, I I understand that I heard the word. Uh, Chugoku, which means yeah. uh, China. So Luke, Luke, you told me that she was doing imp- impressions of a Japanese person, and then she was doing impressions of a Chinese person. Um, That's what I thought, but uh, there are a lot of other words. Christ, this wasn't in progress. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, uh, I would like to. Yeah, Risa Sarah is cancelled. I would like to uh, congratulate her on her upcoming uh, comedy debut on uh, Unsafe Space on Radio Four, <laughs> the anti woke comedy hour. Um, like, I yeah, she I, I, she I, I got really I good promo on GB News this week. Lauren Cox. <laughs> um, I will find you whoever in my office keeps putting GB News on the TV in the break room. Don't you fucking think <laughs> is, I won't? Is she the um, worst of Joshi then? <laughs> <laughs> the, I, 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 yeah, it was basically the same. Well, she didn't get to do the impression because um, uh, yeah, just kept laughing. But I, I was, all the same. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I, was, I was really hoping she was going to do one of the like old 80s comedy. It was like, you know, Japanese guys drive like this and Chinese guys drive like this. <laughs> um, so uh, and then Miyako scuffles with the ref, and then Risa drop toe holds her into the ref balls. So all very, all very good and normal stuff in this match. <laughs> um, and then the next bit was so the whistle goes again, and then I think they had to fight the ref. Yeah, this the, I got this confirmed for me uh, when I was rewatching it yesterday. That that was right. it. They it was the first person to kind of land a hit on the ref. Isn't, uh, it, isn't it? Yeah, like they had it like a clothesline. Them. I, it's nice to see them do a callback to six three ninety four in the middle <laughs> of this match. Of just you know, remember that part when Misawa and Kawada just ran about the sumo hall trying to get uh, Retro Zuno. A Kyohei Wada would have been, and just who can Larry on first, and then they will win the triple count title. Um, incredible scenes. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that was what was going on, but basically for most of this match, I was you know the scene where Homer Simpson watches Twin Peaks. <laughs> Brilliant! I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, then the next game that they play, uh, I think Sarah's going for like an air raid crash when the whistle sounds again. She has to put Mia Coco down. Um, then both women get a paddle, and then some traditional like Japanese classical music starts playing. And I, this is actually a game I've heard of, and I can't remember what it's called. But you yeah, kind of reference that in the Akado Omega two or three falls. <laughs> the it's like you have to hit the paddle, you have to paddle the ball to the other person, and the first person person to like miss loses now unfortunately neither of them are very good at this and the first time they each attempt to um to do it they completely miss the uh, the thing they're trying to hit. it's basically whenever i tried to play badminton when i was at college um they they did manage to get a rally of a whole three points going 
Um, and Miyako wins that, and then she downed a shot of something which seemed to be quite unpleasant, and I, I don't know why. I, I think it was tequila. A, a ceremonial thing. Yeah, t- I think that was tequila. And and the other point uh, to note about this is that um, because Mi- Miyako wins this, uh, she gets a point, and this takes her total to zero. <laughs> Yes, yes, they, they, do, they do the points. That she's basically like, yeah, it is literally like you've got a points deduction for going into administration when you're in League One and you're like trying to get back to zero points. My, my local... She's playing uh, with the freedom that comes of already being relegated. <laughs> you know, when I was living in Durham, when I was a student, the local non-league team, Durham City, basically had major financial difficulties and they had to play most of the season just using lads from the local sixth form centre. And they... Well, ended... Can you get in touch with me? Yeah, <laughs> very, very good. And they, they ended the season on zero points because they they got six points. They won two games all season and then they got docked six points for fielding an eligible player. <laughs> Weirdly enough, the two wins were back-to-back. So they, they did have a uh, they did have a winning streak. Uh, they, the point You get the points of this match announced um, in the middle of Sarah doing a very cool-looking giant swing and the bell goes in the middle of that. Um, so as, as we have mentioned, Miyako Matsumoto ends up on zero points. And Risa, if my Japanese is not failing me got um hyakugo 105 yeah because she got five for the games and 100 for getting the winning fall because miyako <laughs> tapped out to the giant swing so oh she 100... tapped out to it okay yeah, that's yeah. uh I didn't, I didn't i didn't realize that i thought the um the timer deck but it's literally like the um the the duff beer contest in the simpsons where the last round is 98 percent of the total <laughs> score rendering the previous two rounds a complete waste oh yeah <laughs> So yeah, it's basically that. So a hundred and five nil victory to um, Risa Sera. Get a steward's inquiry. Call uh, call Europol and the match fixing police. <laughs> this was this was fun as fuck. Like I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I think we need to lodge a formal protest of the Madagascan FA about. This <laughs> I was about to bring up police machine, but I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this is basically your standard Miyako Matsumoto Gake no Fuchi uh, match in which there's a weird point system. She loses absolutely horribly on both points and in the sense of having lost the match. Uh, she gets beaten up a lot. Not as much as we'll see her get beaten up later in the show, but we shall get to this. I um, I, I just want to say with this, <laughs> this match, um, is, you know how you get matches sometimes and like really boring people will say, oh, you know, they were on the top of their game, you know, like, they, they couldn't have planned this. This is all, like, you know, this, this is all, this worked out far better than they could have ever scripted it uh, on the night. This was far better than they could have ever scripted <laughs> it. Them being both chronically shit at the paddle game and <laughs> her corpsing every time just totally made this match so much better than if they had gone, if they had said, oh, well, there's our corpse every time. They would never have been as natural as that. And they could never have been that shit at the paddle because their instincts would have been to at least hit one of them. Um, yeah, nine I've stars. Just, I've just remembered. Didn't didn't Risa Sarah used to play softball? Like she's like <laughs> ba- baseball's like a thing of hers, isn't it? Like I think I think so. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. What what you were saying, David? It just just made me think. Like I think there's certain stipulations that you can introduce that that will make that happen. So so the aforementioned frog and bucket. Um, I once saw a, a you know, um, Schadenfreude produce show there where they had a match which was the balloon game where you have to not let the balloon um, hit the floor. And it was like one of the most gripping, tense things I saw in my years of attending Britress. And, and that's because, you know, there was absolutely no way you could script it. It was genuinely like, you know, edge of your seat stuff. 
It's it's like the uh, the hot dog matches that they have in Ice Ribbon, where like some of the participants always like clearly just live on ch- chicken breast, eggs, and spinach, and have no interest in eating actually eating the hot dogs. And then there's others who clearly are familiar with just like annihilating a dozen hot dogs and like just think nothing on me. Call her by her name. <laughs> <laughs> Put some respect. Um, so yeah, no, it was it There's was great. Mustard on that dog. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the next match is kind of a um, different thing. So we have a, a a tag match. So we have uh, prominence once again represented by the uh, the two competitors we haven't seen. Uh, these being Akane Fujita, who is a sort of veteran hardcore wrestler, and also I believe the sister of Minoru Fujita, who yes. um, is well, he's he's, he's been around. He's had a hell of a career, that man. Like he's been around like battle arts and then like fucking freedoms, uh, Choco Pro. He's always in Choco Pro. And then uh, Mochi Miyagi, who um, were formerly one half of uh, the Lovely Butchers, the Premier BBW tag team in uh, Joshi Wrestling. Not to be crude, that is the gimmick, uh, pretty much. And uh, they are wrestling uh, Sanshiro Takagi, who is the he's the president of the DDT. Uh, wrestling group and uh you know this because he comes out with the shirt which says if my again if my japanese doesn't fail me uh daishacho which just means uh well big boss yeah uh we're getting a lot of boss baby vibes from this. <laughs> and... he really he just really loves the indian dragon's den <laughs> oh no it's big brother isn't it yeah, it's big big brother indian yeah big brother, the yeah. um he, he he really loves metal gear solid um and uh his partner so let I think we're going to need to unpack this. All right. Mm. So uh, his partner, so Takagi, you know what he's about. He comes out with a really useful box and does horrible spots involving uh, people getting slammed through plastic and that. So we have uh, Senna sister Mao Inoue. So Mao Inoue is also known as Mao or Caps, who is a uh, DDT wrestler. Um, and he's, he's really great. Um, and I especially appreciate him for... Uh, that interview he did just after he got back from the UK, where he just absolutely ethered Brit rest crowds for being more interested in drinking than actually paying attention to the wrestling. And he didn't name the promotion, but it was very obviously he was talking about Fight Club Pro, and he was right to do it. Um, and it, it, so he's he and he, he's uh, he's teamed with um, uh, Mike Bailey, um, and uh, and also uh, I think also Brooks he's teamed up with as well. Um, so he's he's like a he's a main DDT guy, um, and. In this match, he is so the, there's, there's a lass with him who is from a idol group called Senna Sister, and I think she's called Mao as well. Yeah, Senna Sister Mao uh, is 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 well. Senna Sister is the name of the band, like you said. Senna Sister is the name yeah. of the band, and Mao is the name isn't of, of the singer. Mao meant to be doing an impression of her. It's not a very good one. No, <laughs> it's 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 really not. Um, but like, yeah, so he's Senna Sister Mao in a way, so it's kind of a pun on her name. And the I don't. I, the only reason I know about Senna Sister is because I'm not really into idol groups, but like she's had um, involvement in DDT stuff before because uh, like she is she is a wrestling fan. So um, Mao, um, we will refer to him as Mao in a way for the um, we'll say Mao in a way and Senna Sister Mao. Just uh, for the I think we should refer to him as Chairman of the Central People's Government of <laughs> China, Mao. Anyway. Senna Sister Chairman Mao. Mao <laughs> red book. Yeah, um, and uh, so Mao's uh, Mao in a way's impression of Senna Sister Mao uh, appears to consist pretty much entirely of going Senna Sister in a very high pitched voice, pretty much it's constantly. All my impressions. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what Risa Sarah's impressions would have been like if she'd have actually got to it. He's the Japanese Rory Bremner, um, and like I've just got a note here which says Mao's voice is going to be absolutely fucked by the end of this. And um, uh, Takagi C 
seems initially enraged by this, um, and uh, but then he eventually gets into us. He starts doing the uh, saying Senna sister in a high pitched voice, uh, and I'm like, this is going to be a big ask because usually Takagi sounds like he smokes forty fags a day. <laughs> um, so it's basically a guy who is pretending to be a wacky idol from this uh, from this group, and then a gruff fifty one year old man who is literally his boss. <laughs> that's the um, that's the story of this match. And uh, it's 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 good fun. It's uh, it's basically it's very silly. Basically, um, Fujita and Miyagi work well as a team, and Mao and Takagi really don't. They are constantly doing the LCO spot where one of them <laughs> tries to one of them holds the opponent, and then the other one tries to hit them, and then the opponent moves out of the way, and one of them twats each other. This happened about five times in this match, and they get funnier every time. <laughs> The best one of them, I think, is when um, Ismail gets crotched on the on the top rope and does the Peter Griffin cell. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I love the thing I love about it is when he get crotched, he had a normal voice for a minute or two. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, really yes. The way of doing it. I've just went back to just speaking normally for a minute or two, and then he was quiet, and he just went. Wah, 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 again. Yeah, he sounded like fucking Tomoaki Hama for a few seconds. <laughs> I wanted to know, David, what you made of the Mongolian chop battle here, because I think that was my highlight of the match. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be bruised in the morning. <laughs> it was Walter versus PCO levels of brutality. Um, yeah, it was it was a sight to behold. They'll they'll be dancing in the streets of Ulaanbaatar tonight. <laughs> Have you ever like? Because like they started doing a Mongolian chop battle, and then that turned into them exchanging what can I describe as psychic strikes where like they are you know how Kenny Omega would do the Hadaken um, and like he'd sort of he wouldn't actually hit them but they would pretend like there was some ball of energy it's basically like that and it reminded me of and this is really fucking niche even for me the if you've ever seen any of the Congolese catch fetish uh, oh my god it's so good um, where where basically it's a bunch of mad lads in like the democratic republic of the congo in a football in, stadium in a football stadium with like a fucking 20,000 attendants and they're doing this um match where basically they're like drawing on the like sort of animism i guess i guess you would i guess you would call it but like the sort of um traditional belief in sort of supernatural powers they're drawing on that and then they basically are just laying waste to each other and like not even pretending like they're coming close they're just using magic powers to like make their opponents take bumps it's absolutely fucking wild if you follow um vessel map on twitter uh the 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 person who runs that account posts links to like loads of real far-flung stuff and they helped organize a catch for tea show in the congo uh recently very different kind of uh yeah yeah very different kind of fetish wrestling to uh, some of the other stuff that you can uh, <laughs> find out there. That's all I'm saying, um, and it kind of put me in mind of that. I, I know that I know there's been sort of times recently with the acted uh, Shikara promotion and <laughs> yeah. PWG where they'll kind of do stuff like this, and they're like, "Oh, that's quite cute." But I, I I loved it. I thought it was great, and, and that. I think all wrestling should be this. Just no <laughs> no contacts. Like you know how you get like touch rugby. I think I think they should have some. I I would absolutely need to do a match in Gaki no Fuji Pro where they they just do this and don't ever touch, don't ever hit each other. Like sort of Taka versus Tai Chi, but they actually do hit moves. They just don't come anywhere close. I think that would be good fun. It's great. I I, I, I chuck another couple of stars on this match. 
I think I think if this match had a um, had a flaw, it was more about sort of furthering this feud between Mao and Takagi than it was actually showcasing um, uh, Miyagi and uh, and um, uh, fucking hell, I forgot who the uh, Fujita. Yeah, um, they do get their they do get their shine, especially when. Uh, Miyagi brings in the cat of nine tails, and also when Fujita brings out, I've just point, I've just written down some leather strips covered in fuck nose, but like it's it's like these sort of coloured stones, and then they take off forcibly take off Takagi's shoes and then make him walk on them, which again looks legit very painful. I absolutely loved the, the the way Takagi was sort of fighting them taking his shoes off. You know, a bit like the the bit in Father Ted where the 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 milk van is like bearing down on someone in the road, um, and they're like, "No!" It, it's like he could have stopped it <laughs> at yeah. any point. Now, now that Arthur Matthews has sort of um, said, "Oh, actually, I respect Graham Linehan's freedom of speech. He's not doing anything wrong," I would like to uh, actually proclaim that uh, Father Ted now was um, officially written by Sanshiro Takagi. So, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, the... the, so I, the prefer finish- this, I, I prefer this working Black Book series one myself, but... <laughs> <laughs> We've gone from Red Book, book to Black Book now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the finish is uh, to this match. So, Miyagi, Miyagi does the... Um, if I say the word Kancho, you might know what it means. Basically, you sort of put your hands together and, and then shove them up someone's ass crack. Um, and then, yeah, she accidentally Kanjo's the ref and gets a knockout punch from Mao. And then Seno's sister Mao comes in and joins a sort of clothesline train on Fujita. And she, she looks like she's having a great time. After which Takagi betrays um, Mao from DDT by twatting him with the uh, with the really useful box and hitting him with a stunner. Fujita brings in a load of Lego and Miyagi Luthes presses Mao into it. Ow. Um, Fujita Love hits, that spot. Fujita hits a Samoan drop and then Takagi prepares to do some sort of electric chair move uh, into the Lego on Mao. And then um, Shunma Katsumata, who's also from uh, DDT, comes in and <laughs> breaks it up in the most hilarious way possible by letting off a party popper into Kagi's mouth <laughs> and then does the same to um, Mochi Miyagi for good measure. And then the match basically appears to end as a no contest with like the two blokes just like choking to Kagi at the same time. Um, so it all turns in, into a big schmoz and... Um, it seems like the scheduled four-on-four main event gets changed to uh, Brooks, Mao, Miyako Matsumoto, and Shunma Katsumata versus the four prominence wrestlers and Sanchiro Takagi. Were so you aware? Best- were you aware, sorry, George, of, of why Katsumata's there? Um, I'm not like a regular DDT watcher, so not so, especially no. So Fujita called him out um, for stealing her spots. Um, so he's <laughs> he's been using Lego and uh, oh, what was the other one? The 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 foot massage mats um, as as weapons. Oh, is that so, what they so, are? Yeah, yeah. So oh, I, that um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, so he's been he's been using those uh, in his matches. Um, he, he had a really good match with Hyper Missile. Uh, quite recently, oh, which yes, is yes. on YouTube now, um, and yeah, so so Fujita called him out for stealing his spots, and and so he he's putting an appearance to you know, yeah, <laughs> answer, okay, answer so, his critics, yeah. So there is there, so there is a um, there is a story reason for it. Okay, so instead of a four on four main event, we get four on uh, five main event, and then it's time for the uh, the interval, an actual interval this time. There is to be no more musical numbers. And presumably just I was to clear very the ring of all shit again. No musical numbers. <laughs> get me, get me lingerie muto. <laughs> um, so yeah, then we then we get the main event, and um, 
uh, yeah, the prominence, uh, prominence girls come out. Takagi does the prominence uh, sign with them where they make their uh, fingers into a, a letter P. It's kind of adorable uh, that he's doing it with them. I quite like that. And then Miyaka Matsumoto and her crew come out. She's got a ball covered in forks. So I was like, this is this is going to be great. Um, the Basically, this it kind of came across as a bonus match to me this because it wasn't especially long but it kind of it felt quite uh, it felt quite holiday camp in the you know on the, like the holiday camp shows where it's like all the goodies and all the baddies come together for a big confrontation at the end and it kind of you know how like at the end of act 1 of a musical there'll be a song which ties in the main melodic themes of like the songs that have come before it in the first half kind of weaves them all together. That kind of, that match kind of reminded me of that because you kind of get little sort of taster spots of the matches that you've previously seen. And it kind of, everyone sort of gets their shit in. Suzu Suzuki, I know this does very little in this. And to be fair, she's, she's earned that. And, and, but also I, I was kind of interested in, in like Suzu had the most sort of, sincere match on the card almost like yeah, like yeah. she almost seems like that i mean it's very early but but it feels like they might be sort of building her up as the not the ace but kind of like the protagonist of of prominence um so she she yeah. it, it, bizarrely for a match which had you know everything that it had she she kind of had yeah. the most straight down the line match um so well, she doesn't get too involved in the the ridiculous antics here but i think i can explain why because i know that um Suzu, I, obviously she loved death matches uh, when she was younger and that's what got into wrestling. But her second love of wrestling when she was growing up was um, Tetsuya Naito Six Man, so he wears his t-shirt. I really liked the bit at the start when um, Brooks seems to be making an effort to join Prominence and then uh, Katsumata sort of dragged him back and uh, it seemed like the Prominence skills were like quite eager to have him. And then Miyaka Matsumoto came and was like, I'll join with you. And they were like, no, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> that is and, absolutely classic Miyako. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and then she cross-bodied five people at once. <laughs> and then we did a... I can only describe it as a pile of bodies, like all of the, the Prominence team, and then all of the heels started doing forward rolls over them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that basically sets the tone for this match. It is I, extremely I mean, silly. Very normal. That, when you line them up, I'm like, how funny would it be if they rolled over them? And then they did it. <laughs> and I was like, God... <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really good. And uh, basically, Mao and uh, Miyagi... Well, the, the, I, I've got written down here. They both do sexy poses, and then uh, go. They basically do the catch fetish stuff again. They do some invisible headbutts, and then Mao sort of gets the upper hand by flashing Miyagi his torso, and then just going. Sorry, before he does that, they, they're, they're doing the Mon- the invisible Mongolian chop battle thing again. Yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. Do, he does an overhead one. <laughs> Amazing, and uh, then he exposes his torso, and then Miyagi starts uh, working over his nipples, and then he tries <laughs> pancho, but his butt cheeks are Samoan and uh, and no sell it. <laughs> they are too strong to be canchoed. Wait, and, you were uh, talking about the the headbutts, the the, the Mandarin headbutts. I kind of hope that they get like, they do this with Shibata, like with Yano, they do Shibata. <laughs> I think that would be such a good spot for Yano and Shibata. <laughs> Where Shibata wants to head bottom and is like, no, and has to stop and they just don't head. <laughs> Rick at Gado. <laughs> they're, the only, they're the only headbutts he's allowed to do now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then Katsumata comes in and uh, hits Takagi with the Lego bat. And then we get uh, the thing you alluded to earlier, Luke, the Lego off mm. between him and uh, Kane Fujita. They each have a box of Lego, which they 
have a bit of a sword fight with the boxes and the box explode and like Lego pieces everywhere. And then they take turns slamming each other into the Lego and taking flatback bumps into the Lego. Masashi Takeda star when he like, takes bumps into the light tubes because he's a madman. And um, Karumi and uh, Sawa come in and do a suplex spot because like, you know, why not? Karumi and Vegeta double team Katsumata. Mal breaks it up by hitting them with the ball of, the ball of forks. <laughs> and uh, Katsumata then runs wild on Vegeta and Suzu, and you can kind of hear the clacking of the Lego underfoot. It's oh really great. God. I'm glad Takagi's put his fucking shoes back on. <laughs> Christ. There's nothing worse than standing in Lego. Oh, I mean, the, the um, title, which is the local promotion um, uh, in Leeds, uh, booked once Addy Star versus, I can't remember the bloke's name, but it was a intergender fans bring the Lego barefoot death match. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Katsumata then misses a moonsault and he gets a huge German suplex from uh, Suzu. And then we sort of move to the next. Uh, it's very much one of these where like two people are in the ring and everyone's brawling on the outside and then they, they change it over. So like the psychology is not, not should we say, especially complex in this. Uh, so Risa and Chris Brooks are hitting each other now. Um, Risa Sarah hits a double knee drop for two, and then Brooks does his like jumping knee strike to the head. And at this point, all I can hear is Mao on the outside just going, Send us his card! <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Uh, what, it reminds me of one of my favourite things um, of WCW 2000, which is Daphne, because there was this real escalation with Daphne, where she came out and she screamed at first, and it was quite funny. And then people started screaming back at her. And then it kind of grew and grew over the weeks of Nitro until it became this like impromptu Diamanda Gallus cover jam of just them, like the whole match, just her screaming at people <laughs> and them screaming back. And like Chris Canyon is fighting Reno for like four minutes and like presumably getting about eight concussions from chair shots. And you can't really concentrate on it because Daphne's just screaming at some <laughs> child in the front row. I, yeah, I, I, it, it was brilliant. I love it. Yeah, and uh, then the next stop is um, uh, Miyako goes up top and then does a double foot stomp off Chris Brooks's shoulders. Um, like, I, I was terrified by this because he's a tall guy. And, I mean, I love Miyako Matsumoto to bits, but, like, it's fair to say, like, she is far from the best technical and, like, mechanical wrestler in the world. Um, but she did manage to do it and, like, even, like, hit the double foot stomp into, um, like, Sarah went on target. It looked like it fucking sucked to, uh, to take that. And then um, Risa Sarah ends up on a table on the outside and Miyako actually... Uh, she actually hits the splash through it. I felt for sure Risa Sarah was going to roll away and Miyako <laughs> would just go splat because that's what she does. She tries to do stuff and it doesn't turn out the way she wants to and she gets real frustrated. It's like she tries hard not to do it. Um, so uh, that, that, that references for David right there. <laughs> All she wanted was a Pepsi. <laughs> Um, and uh, and then something does go wrong in which she um, the signature Miyako Matsumoto spot is um, her basically getting in the plastic box and turning it into a toboggan, <laughs> and um, get basically Brooks gets her and like launches it down. The idea is she launches it, gets launched down the stairs onto Risa Sarah. Risa Sarah moves. They do it anyway. <laughs> Miyako absolutely stacks it. Like does not even get close to what she wanted to do. This it looks so painful. This is Miyako's version of Sasuke in the barrel, isn't it? Like she she does <laughs> yeah. it in every Gaki no Fuchi show now. <laughs> yeah, it's a more cost effective version. <laughs> yeah. Please and don't then... tell Sasuke about this. <laughs> Imagine just him battling himself literally into like a pile of Lego 
absolutely not. <laughs> the um, uh, and then the uh, the last from Senna sister goes up top, and <laughs> there's actually a pretty good crossbody <laughs> to the outside onto everyone. There's there's a moment here where you see Takagi, you know, he he's in the crowd that that's there to catch it, and 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 she hits it, and he's clapping, and it feels <laughs> really sincere, like, and it feels like a window into Takagi's soul. Like there's nothing you can imagine. There's nothing he loves seeing more than an idol doing a crossbody. <laughs> <laughs> in Shinjuku face, he's, he seems he seems he seems a nice fella. Because like, do you remember when um, uh, our, our friend Mort met him, and uh, yeah. when Mort was like, he was just putting some like you know samurai TV broadcasts on online for people to watch. Like he never sort of he he wouldn't like rip material where there was a legal way of watching it in this country. But um, you, you know, he was sort of known for like spreading the word of the promotions where you couldn't actually watch them legally in this country. Um, and then, and uh, like he was chatting to someone at a show, and then he heard Takagi behind him. He just said, "Are you Mort?" And he was thinking, "Oh fuck, I'm going to end up at the bottom of the Samida River wearing the concrete shoes." <laughs> and then Takagi just thanked him for like all that he did to spread the word of Japanese wrestling in the West. <laughs> Yeah, he's it was like he, a potentially terrifying outcome. Just like he's the anti, <laughs> the, the anti Rossi in many ways, isn't he? Essentially, yeah, yeah, Kogan. yeah, absolutely. He's and the then... anti Flodder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would be his Chris Masters. Um, I want to say uh, Yuki, uh, Yuki Ino. You, you, uh, yeah, 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 that works. Or, or I feel Ino. that Mao would be a very good sort of deterrent. You know, if like him and him and Mao just turned up I, screaming. I, I, yeah, yeah I, no, I think that would work. as like, like I, 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 I'll stop bootlegging if you just stop screaming. <laughs> Senna's just in a really high voice. <laughs> um, and and then we get into the finish of this match, which is uh, as as I think everyone expected when this was announced. Miyaka Matsumoto takes the pin, uh, so she loses for a second time on her own show. Uh, basically, a ladder and some chairs get put on top of her, and then Risa Sarah gives her the double knee drop from the top rope. Um, and then that gets the three. So it was kind of like a little sort of... It, it felt like an encore match. You know, like it was 15 minutes, everyone got the shit in, they did a few spots. Miyako Matsumoto took a load of punishment. It's the raw uh, dark match. <laughs> yeah, it is. John Cena defends the WWE title against Kane, Dolph Ziggler, I don't know, fucking Big Daddy V. And... In, in, in the way of raw dark matches, though, I loved what this did in terms of crossing the streams because, yeah. you know, we here we got to see... Chris Brooks and Risa Sarah going at it. And that feels like, you know, that, that feels like a forbidden door being open, right? You know, they, yeah. they feel like very good opponents for each other, um, but they would not have been allowed to face off um, until this show, basically. No, so not at all. And I think that's, you know, part of what uh, prominence as a group is and also colours and uh, Mayuki being freelance. I mean, she's wrestling uh, Saki Akai at Sumo Hall for DDT in March. Like, it's creating a lot of, like, really intriguing, you know, in many cases, first time ever matches, uh, some really exciting things. So it's, you, you know, it's... Um, Joshi is changing, but, like, it's... Uh, I think in, in many ways it's a good thing. Um, for things like this to be happening and like like I say it, it does seem fairly amicable in terms of who's working with whom uh, so like yeah lots of things to be um, to be excited about for the future and uh, I mean this was expressed in the I, I assume the again my, my Japanese is 
quite bad. But um, I assume the promo after was Takagi inviting Prominence to officially be part of the Vessel Universe stable. Do I have that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and then they that was made clear in a press conference, which um, yeah. happened yeah a few days later. And, and I think that's why I um, Vessel Universe is. I think you know it, it's becoming. I think the best bet in terms if you only had to subscribe to one um per streaming service then it should surely be that one because they've not just got like quite a lot of content it's it's quite diverse in terms of what it is like you have ddt which has got uh, the wackiness you're going to have prominent shows you've got gakina fuchi you've got tokyo joshi which is the got yeah, you've got Noah, so if you want some more of a traditional wrestling product, uh, Noah's there as well. That was a huge acquisition. Tokyo Joshi's there if you want um, a, a, something which is a bit like DDT, but kind of a bit more straight-laced in terms of like the wrestling. Ganbare Pro as well, which is also um, carving out its, its own little Joshi division uh, led by Yuna Manase. Um, so, you know, there's there's quite a lot of... Uh, and, and also the, um, the, the street wrestling shows, uh, Boys, uh, Muscle... Uh, you know, lo- loads of different, uh, loads of different stuff on there. So I think it's a really savvy move from Takagi and from uh, from uh, Cyberfight to get prominence in there because they have a lot of different types of content on there. But what they don't have is like some real hardcore deathmatch stuff. Mm. And and they they so Suzu uh, today at time of recording, Suzu was just on a DD teen show which is their yeah. new thing uh having a yeah some sort of hardcore match with children <laughs> yeah yeah it's like the younger wrestlers I've, yeah and uh yeah it's, it's good to see you know people coming in uh from that and like you know you, you hikari noah versus suzu suzuki is now a thing that might happen um fingers crossed fingers yeah. crossed yeah that that is my big wish for 2022 the two most noted female deathmatch sickos <laughs> in japanese wrestling uh coming together the people who are of more than anyone being really open about the fact i love deathmatches i want to do them you know that is a that is a thing that can happen now and i think that's um that's all all to the good and we get the traditional um ending of the gake pro shows in which well, miyako has a go at uh, takagi <laughs> and then everyone leaves but then a mal from senna sister comes back to give uh, miyakoko a pep talk and like she gets so fired up that she actually starts crying while doing the pep talk <laughs> it's like it's hardly neil warnock and um and then and then she sings uh one of her songs while everyone tries to calm her down and she's kind of just like pushing them away and running wild on them and then the song ends with her diving from the top rope onto everyone <laughs> so it's made me really want to get into solo sister because like yeah their really... music their music sounds weirdly like straight straight down the line <laughs> yeah but it's just it's just like the woman herself is clearly an absolute fucking maniac yeah i think her her pep talk there was was along the lines of um you know miyako you're a loser you keep losing you need to stop losing um if, if you want to, because Miyako says she wants to run Corrigan Hall and Sumo Hall with Gakuno Fuchi. So she's sort of saying, you can't do that by just losing and then begging to have more shows. You need to, you know, you need to push yourself. And she says that prominence can be like a rival that will push Gakuno Fuchi forward. So, so hopefully this isn't, you know, the last time that these two groups come together. No, I, I would, I would hope not. I mean, certainly, it seems like we're going to have more crossovers between prominence and when we actually get the first ever prominence show, which I think is slated for March. Um, yeah, they're doing a couple of pre-launch shows in February, possibly. Okay. Yeah, so they're doing a soft launch like Leak yeah. did. 
Um, yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting to see who they bring in for that. And I mean, my, my, my mouth is is watering at the prospect of, of who it might be. So yeah, yeah, um, a show that we, which really I think accomplished what it set out to do. It um, it was a it was a fun Gaki and Fuji show, but it also had some really really nice matches. It um, it got prominence over as a thing and made you sort of aware that these women mean business and they're certainly not going to shy away from the hardcore deathmatch stuff and further the DDT storyline and uh, you know and maybe want to listen to Seno Sister. So mission accomplished all around. <laughs> um yeah D- David your your sort of overall thoughts on because I believe this is your first Gake Pro show that you've that you've seen. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I, I was aware of it before, but I hadn't yeah. got around to watching them. I, I want to watch them all, to be honest now. It just seems like the most fun. Like, I absolutely am just going to scarf your Wrestle Universe login and go watch all the Gakino Fuji shows. Um, I've, I've made no bones about the fact I don't really care about wrestling anymore. And a lot of the wrestling I watch now leaves me cold. Gakino Fuji Pro had me laughing and wincing and just generally enjoying myself which is something wrestling has not done very often for me uh, recently um, it's a triumph i love it it was just is this exactly what i need is like i i'm i, I might just i might just watch gaki no fuchi from now on <laughs> i just watch no other promotions to be honest because it just seems like the right lane where i'm like yeah i could probably muster watching the four shows to do a year and nothing else and that seems quite good so yeah um, the, the the future ahead is Gaki no Fuchi and Toriyano matches and nothing else. <laughs> Maybe he'll show up there one of these days. You know. Oh God, Udon, can you imagine the forbidden door? It could be opened. Um, <laughs> that's not just a forbidden door. That's like a, a fucking like you 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 know like the big doors you have in a bank vault that require <laughs> like four fingerprints and like it takes five minutes to open. It pisses me off so much that, like, other New Japan guys, so, oh, I'm going to go freelance and, like, wrestle in Gleet or no or whatever. Tony Anna's too busy fucking running his pub to go to. Imagine him in DDT. It'd be like fucking Lesnar coming back. Um, <laughs> like, it'd be the best. It'd be so good. Uh, like, yeah. But, um, no, Gaki no Fuji Pro, it's, yeah, it's brilliant. All right, fantastic. Well, so a solid three thumbs up. Uh, from uh, from the lads on this um so that was the big january the fourth show uh, we really hope that you enjoyed listening to our review of it and that you want to listen to more of our january 4th um shows in the future because you know there's there's some great wrestling going on in in japan and we like to use these episodes to showcase it um i am going to um sign off now uh with uh, everyone so i've been george thompson uh thank you very much to david and luke um play that uh, sasuke entrance theme and we shall see you next time on the puro puro podcast
okay, so I suppose we'd better actually fucking talk about New Japan, um, <laughs> much as much as we um, hate to do it. And you know, while we've got Luke here, um, and yeah, you know, we, we've done we've done the whole thing where like yeah, we, we've done it, we've done it again. We've uh, pretended we we're going to talk about Wrestle Kingdom, and then we've talked about like an even more obscure show that we did uh, last year. But like while we've got Luke here, I think we actually should like sincerely talk about New Japan. And we're not sincerely we're not sincere very often on the podcast, but. Um, it it pays to diagnose the malaise and to try and sort of i guess um I guess delineate why something like Gakenofuchi appeals to us far more at the moment than something like Wrestle Kingdom. So uh Luke, just um the floor is yours, like New <laughs> Japan. You know. New Japan so so I've I've had kind of a beer mob on it about about New Japan for quite a long time now and I think I think it it, it it comes it, it started really when I started I, not even watching stuff as out there as as Gaki no Fuji, um but but earlier than that watching Seedling and and you know smaller Joshi promotions that do interesting stylistic stuff um, that that you know um, is 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 varied you know and and the cards are have yeah different styles and it's not just the same. Uh, epic just stretched out to 10 minutes 15 minutes 20 minutes 35 minutes you know um but so so i i feel like i've sort of i've gone round why i prefer watching the seedling high speed division to you know kotribushi matches in new japan or whatever i feel like i've gone over that a lot a lot <laughs> over the last few years you know on twitter in my head you know in conversations with you guys um but what was really notable this year is um i have muted certain people on my timeline um but not that many and there was no one talking about wrestle kingdom this year and i think part of that is that they don't allow gifts and screenshots anymore you know yeah, fantastic fantastic yeah. move there part of it is that will osprey was in at least one of the main events and and you know the people who would otherwise be charitable to new japan or or you know losing interest in it because of that for for reasons you've discussed um uh, at length <laughs> on previous uh, christmas specials actually yes, um uh but yeah like the, the it, every year for the past few years i've done this joke the same joke we've been doing for this whole episode of like yeah. oh what about the big january 4th show this year i didn't feel the need to do that because it felt like the big january 4th show was tokyo joshi <laughs> Um, that's just how it felt within and and obviously that's not an objective assessment but that's genuinely how it felt within my kind of community um it's it wasn't a a front it wasn't a performance it wasn't a gag or a bit it was genuinely the the state of affairs that that everyone was way more interested in that I would, you know, you know, everyone that I'm talking to on a regular basis about wrestling was way more interested in Tokyo Joshi than they were in New Japan. Yeah, I mean, you've you've really you've really put your finger on it there. Like, yeah, people weren't talking about it, and it's something that kind of gets gets my hackles up uh, a bit when there's a number of people. And I'm not going to call anyone out. This isn't about calling anyone out, but there's you know a number of people who otherwise have quite you know, good takes and like seem like reasonable people. But for some reason, whenever you point out that no one seems really interested in Wrestle Kingdom, they get very weird and shitty and defensive about it. And, um, you know, 
I don't. I really don't know. I, I I know that no one likes to have their buzz harshed when they're when they're looking forward to a show. But the thing is, like saying, oh, you know, not many people on my timeline are talking about New Japan. It seems much colder, and there's less interest um, about that. Like, if you have a problem with people talking about that i would suggest taking it up with objective fucking reality like it's um it is an inarguable fact that the promotion is colder than it has been in previous years and and getting mad at people for pointing it out doesn't seem especially productive to me and the other thing that i would note if like you know to folks who are you know inclined to get mad about people pointing it out and complaining about the lack of interest is that these attitudes and this sort of slating of current New Japan is very often by people who want New Japan to do well and have really enjoyed New Japan in the past. Like I'm not saying that running bad wrestling shows is in any way morally equivalent to the sort of stuff that was exposed in speaking out, but it comes from the same energy, right? You know, like you'll always more vociferously take against something that you used to love and that you feel has let you down in some way than you then you would criticize something that you never cared about at all, which does exactly the same things. You know, it's people who really loved New Japan in like, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, etc. And just look at what the promotion is now and just feel absolutely nothing. And I'm one of these people. I mentioned it on the Christmas special. Like Katsuyori Shibata was my favorite wrestler in the entire fucking world. At the point he retired, I have not watched either of his comeback matches because just something about watching New Japan just just i'm just so not inclined to do it um and it is it is kind it is kind of sad really and you know there's there's numerous excuses you can make for i mean the attendances were very poor this year uh there was twelve thousand for the january 4th tokyo dome and i believe six and a half thousand to uh the january 5th show and you can make uh, you there were mitigating factors such as um covid and um you know the the crowds are not obviously the crowds are not allowed to cheer so that decreases the atmosphere somewhat you know a a big part of pro wrestling is atmosphere and that may lead some people to think oh i might have gone if we'd be able to cheer but i don't want to go to now but at the the same time every promotion in japan has to work in the same conditions and you know and and, again will osprey saying you know retweeted i think today wrestling in front of clap crowds is hard i bet loads of your favorite matches would suffer if they're in front of clap crowds but you know Work with the tools you've got, and other promotions have been able to put um, really entertaining shows together in front of clap crowds and in front of no crowds. Um, you know, fuck me, even WWE's managed it at some points. Um, so, like, there, there really is no excuse. You know, the the booking is bad, the roster is stale, um, the they've doubled down on the kind of Americanization of the of the storytelling. You know, it's the same old faces in the main event. They've not really they're not pushing the right people in the right way to get a next generation coming up. And yeah, it just, and it ultimately just feels very soulless. Yeah. And they're being outdone, you know, in, in, in everything that, that, you know, whatever booking patterns they want to go for, they're sort of being outdone by stardom and and they're actually being outdrawn by stardom. Like, like their sister promotion. Yeah. Like stardom's stardom's booking is, is, you know, at the moment, I, I don't know. It does. It doesn't really draw me in um, as much as, say, Tokyo Joshi's does. But yeah, it's it's of a piece with the kind of booking that New Japan are maybe going for. But they just they just seem to be doing it better. <laughs> yeah, and 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 also in terms of the actual wrestling and how 
how good the the matches feel because like my the main takeaway from uh you know the 5th of January show that I saw online was you know people were saying oh like the main event was uh, good I'm I'm happy Osprey lost but um I saw loads of comments saying, well, I didn't think much to the show as a whole, but fucking hell, that stardom tag match was, was <laughs> great. And that was like nine minutes of them going at, uh, you know, I'm sure they put their backs into it, but that's a taster of what these women are capable of. And like, it was really nice to see people, you know, going mad over that and, uh, and having such a great, uh, having such a great time. And uh, yeah, stardom are doing new Japan style wrestling better than new Japan are at the moment. Yeah. And I think that says a lot about where uh, new Japan are. I think it shows in the way that people are talking about it. I feel like people are talking. I see more chatter about stardom and it's, and it's sort of, uh, it feels a bit like how people were chatting about new Japan a few years ago. Uh, yeah. It, it it's has a the same. On the up. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, you know, say what you will about the booking, but they are managing to grow the business and, uh, you know, drive engagement, uh, with, with the product, get, uh, they're running bigger arenas. Like they, it is a process. It is a promotion that is growing and new Japan, as you can clearly see by some of their attendances, like you say, being outdrawn by stardom and even Noah in the same venues, that is a business that is currently contracting. And you don't you don't need to have a fucking NBA to, NBA to pull, uh, to point that out. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Who knows? I I I I'm really interested to see if that pattern continues and and stardom, you know, becomes the flagship, it the flagship Bushy Road promotion. It honestly, doesn't seem impossible at this point, and that that should be a damning indictment of of the current New Japan regime. Yeah, that would be that would feel quite sweet actually if that happened. Oh yeah, even if you're down on Stardom, it would yeah. be quite it would be quite good if like a women's wrestling promotion was like the the big uh, the big hitter in Japan. So yeah, Dave, David, your thoughts? I mean, you've you've we've we've talked about it a little bit uh, in the intro, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I I watched Wrestle Kingdom the first the first night. I actually did not know that Osprey lost. I'm quite happy about that. I oh shit! Yeah, sorry, I, I forgot that you didn't want uh, spoilers. Maybe you'll want this one. Who, who fucking knows? cares, man? Like, yeah. Who cares? Um, I, I don't want the Toriyano spoiler, but that's it. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't really care about New Japan. I watched it because I was like, oh, if you've nothing else to do, I might as well. It's, you know, I'll watch it. You know, it's because that used to be the big day where everyone watched Wrestle Kingdom on the 4th of January. Yeah. And you, you kind of made a day of it. I mean, you just went to George's and watched it. I used to, you know, watch it after work. You know, you'd look forward to it all day. I think I watched it on the 7th. Something like that, <laughs> and um, I was just, I was, I was bored stiff for the whole thing. Like n- none of it, at any point, made me, made me in any way excited. Outside of oh, she wasn't a, a ramble. Wow, that, that was that was literally the high spot. Was she turning up in the ramble? And it's just yeah, the crowd are the same because they're not allowed to cheer, so you have no, no gauge from them, and. Yeah, it, it's just completely soulless. And it's quite funny you say oh, it's the same faces in the main event. The main event this year had two people who never main event in the Tokyo Dome before. But it's yeah. just so stale that it just feels like it's just the same old thing when it's not. Because yeah. they run for every match. And it's so, yeah, the G1 it really has become a curse for them. And that they have to have all these matches and they burn these matches. And then none of them feel fresh because they've already done them with G1 done them for the never title whatever but yeah they they, they, they're at a point now where everything is so oversaturated and nothing is exciting the crowd aren't able to get excited about it because they're not allowed to 
and it's the same formula and it's like well why would you bother yeah i mean the the you know whoever was at the definition of madness is doing the same thing and expecting a different result they have they've not adapted their product for the current times in the way that other promotions have like when when companies started doing um you know empty arena shows um you know the stardom had that no people gate show in like march 2021 which was like a really fun and charming show and they had that lumberjack match where they brought all over Corrigan hall because they could because there were no fucking people there you know tokyo joshi had those dojo shows where they were just wrestling for barbecue vouchers uh you know you know companies have adapted the you know the way in which they they express the product but also sometimes the psychology they are not play they're not doing the matches as though they are having to hit the same beats that they normally would where the crowd would uh, you know pop for things or you know the the crowd would will them on to make a comeback because you know the crowd are only able to do so much and new japan just um they're presenting the same product and they're doubling down on the things that make the product such a chore um, I mean, and... I mean the fact that they're being outdrawn by like Beric Rangers games and stuff on some shows <laughs> just shows you like no, you don't need to run eight row two Corricans. Do you know what I mean, like no one cares. Like they really need to reevaluate their business model. But yeah, um, it's just you know, I mean to be fair, the the, the food at Beric Rangers is far better than it is at Corrigan Hall. <laughs> My wife has tried both. She she wasn't a fan of the Corrigan stuff, but she really liked Beric Rangers. So, um, but yeah, it's just. It's so stayed at this point. Like, in, yeah. Yeah, it, it is as stale as the cork and chicken nuggets. <laughs> just <laughs> to think, bring things full circle. Yeah, I think though. Yeah, to to finish on a on a happier note, I think I think what you sort of said at the beginning of this this section, George, is there is so much wrestling that goes on on uh, even on January the fourth now. Like like last year, this year we had Tokyo Joshi and Gakuen no Fuchi. Uh, both both running there was Noah last year there was stardom there was Noah. it, it it's kind of outgrown new japan hasn't it Itenyon? it's it's now you can still have that communal viewing experience and you know fingers crossed maybe next year we'll get to have an actual communal viewing uh experience yeah, again I'd, i i i'd, I'd like that because genuinely i i don't think I, I i yeah i think 2020 wrestle kingdom would have been an absolute chore to watch on my own but like i had you and we yeah. had we had daniel over we had like loads more of our friends some crazy fuckers come down from dundee <laughs> and like it was it was great we we like got some square sausage frying and we watched the gorillas of destiny in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i think if we were to do that again you know po- possibly we'd have enough non-new japan shows to watch that that we could just watch them instead like yeah, it's we, we, it, the we, buzz we, would we would watch the shows that had buzz around them you know yeah, and that it, might not be new japan in the same way that there are people who go to wrestlemania weekend and don't go to wrestlemania yeah like it, it's, a, it's a similar sort of thing so yeah there is just because the it would be nice if the biggest company in Pura was actually good in the same way that it would be nice for wrestling if dulului was any good because dulului is wrestling to a lot of people and they would have a more positive you know you know a more positive attitude towards wrestling and maybe more inclined to check out other stuff if they liked dulului but at the same time New Japan is not the be-all and end-all of wrestling. You like, um, if you like a serious wrestling product, go and watch Noah. Noah's way better at the moment. Um, you want something a bit more wacky? Yeah, watch Gaki in the Future, watch DDT, watch watch Tokyo Joshi. Um, you know, there, there was, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's some exciting things happening in, in wrestling that the biggest company in Japan seems to have forgotten how to put on good wrestling shows. Should in no way detract from your enjoyment of the other stuff. 
And of course, we have to mention the the biggest wrestling promotion at the moment, which is of course Choco Pro Jank in USA, <laughs> <laughs> with Ace Tomohiro Ishii undefeated. Spoilers, George. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, on on that note, I think we should do plugs. So, Luke, what shit have you got to plug for? What would you like to tell our lovely listeners about? Uh, yeah, I do a monthly newsletter um, uh, called Flukka's Month in Wrestling. Um, and uh, it's on oystersearings.substack.com. Um, you can subscribe for $5 a month and uh, it gives you access to the full archive. But um, there's no sort of other than the archival post, there's nothing kind of paywalled. It's just if you can support me, that's fantastic. It kind of um, the money that, that I get from it all goes to charity anyway. So, um, you know, you're sort of giving your money to a good cause. Um, but yeah, every month I put out a roundup of matches that I've watched that month not always matches from that month um I've reviewed like big daddy matches before um but <laughs> but generally it gives you a sort of roundup of what's going on mainly in Joshi outside of stardom uh so uh, seedling Oz academy um yeah ice ribbon promotions that you might not um you know be too familiar with I'll 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 break down what matches I think you should be watching and why. Um, so yeah, any, uh, any support, even if it's just reading and sharing, would be very much welcome. That's oystersearings.substack.com. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would. I would like to echo that. It's genuinely an incredible digest of the uh, of the month's wrestling. And yeah, if you if you're not familiar with some of these uh, smaller promotions and you want sort of a, an impression of stuff that might appeal to you, uh, like it, it's a really good it's a really good way in. And uh, you know, it tells you where you can watch this stuff and uh, and all that. It's really good. And also, I'd never heard Flupka spoken aloud. <laughs> no, so I don't think they have either. I think that's the first time I've ever said it. <laughs> so now I know how it's pronounced, or at least how you think it's pronounced. Um, so. <laughs> So thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah, no, check it out. It's it's a, it's a very very good uh, uh, very very good thing. I'm constantly in awe of Luke's ability to uh, draw out what is beautiful about about pro wrestling and, and why we all love it so much. Uh, yeah, um, you got else you want to uh, you want to plug? Not right now. The, the, if you go on that that um, website, you'll also find episodes of my uh podcast that well i have two the miracle apricot podcast and the high speed wrestling podcast um yeah we're sort of between series on those at the moment but um you can find old episodes on the Substack. um yeah. so yeah give them a yeah, listen so go listen to that and keep listening to this it's not a one-in-one-out policy do, <laughs> do, do keep listening to our podcast i can't stress that's enough but yeah no, the, the podcast is really great as well so uh do give that it, yeah do give that a look um david what you got for us yeah, first of all, obviously, Hartley and Carl, they absolutely should be. If you have any interest in Joshua Wrestling in just general, um, Japanese micro indies or whatever, um, Luke's blog is fantastic for that. Um, I run a Party Fistle podcast. Um, we have had no games for three weeks until, until last Saturday, so um, I've had a great wee holiday uh, not doing it, but um, we, uh, we've kind of... So basically, we found that lots of people go back and listen to episode one, which is a terrifying thought because of our episode one. Uh, but lots of people go back and listen to episode one of pods. So what we started to do is we're going to reevaluate our feed and basically take out all the stuff from previous seasons, make it into like a sort of compilation show of the document of the season, and as well as any sort of other cool stuff or whatever, we're going to put up on YouTube. So we set up a YouTube channel with interviews of players and stuff like that about uh, Partick Thistle. Uh, we've got lots of guests from like Old Firm Facts, who's a very funny guy on Twitter. He's been on. We get people from the terrace, all that. Um, if you have an interest in Scottish football, 
we are we're kind of curating the feed to make it more um of a, a you listen to it if you're not into FISO but you're into Scottish football or just football in general and you should be able to get a lot out of it yeah, so we're kind of doing some retooling with that so over the next couple of weeks we'll see that so we've got lots of really exciting stuff coming on as well as that I believe um in spring when the weather starts up I'm going to be doing a walking history tour um of Partick um I, um, I have a friend who runs uh, walking history tours about uh, the Hamdens. So there's a free Hamdens Day walking history tours, and we're collaborating and doing a walking history tour of Partick as well. So if you are in Glasgow and fancy going out in the pitching rain with me, um, you come to my walking history tours. I'm sure I'll have details when this gets released in August. Um, but yeah, to do that. Um, I've got music at um, fastbuck.bandcamp.com as well as at bowlyx and x waddle bandcamp.com um, as we've introduced earlier I cannot sing or play an instrument but I've released hours upon hours of music so you know that'll be great and yeah um, at Viano14 on Twitter um, just doing silly things there as well Yep, and uh, you can follow this podcast at Pura Podcast on uh, Twitter. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. You can listen to us on all of those platforms. Uh, do give a look to I Maintain the Double Foot Stomp is Silly dot com, where we write loads of random crap about uh, about wrestling. Uh, there's some like serious stuff in there as well, such as an article I did analysing the um, Sendai Girls versus Marvelous feud uh, last year. I was really proud of that. I also did an article where I rated the top 10 towels in uh, professional wrestling. Mr. Perfect, Chad Gable, all the stars are there. Uh, so... Um, do check that out. Um, as far as stuff that I have done personally, uh, The Rise and Fall of Ricky Dozan, a pro wrestling novel in 17 matches. You can uh, buy that on the internet if you just uh, if you just Google it. Uh, it is uh, it has been well reviewed by um, by at least eight people uh, online, and uh, they've all given it five stars. So thank you very much for uh, for that. Uh, my Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame induction letter is in the post. Um, it's a story about Ricky Dozan, the first wrestling superstar in the history of Japan, and you know how he came to be and all of the completely legal things that he was uh, involved in. Uh, it's uh, I've, I've written it so you don't even have to know anything about wrestling at all if you want to enjoy it. If you do know about wrestling and wrestling in Japan, there are some little Easter eggs uh, for you that will make you feel very smart. Um, so yeah, check that out. Um, I've also got a Twitch stream, which is twitch.tv forward slash Lord Tempai. That is L-O-R-D-T-E-N-P-A-I. Uh, every 8pm uh, on Thursday, that's a weird way of saying it, 8pm uh, British time every Thursday, I play uh, Mahjong on the internet. It's a nice fun stream where I just play randos on the internet at Mahjong. I discuss strategy and tactics or just uh, just, just slate Kirst armor. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I have a hardcore of regulars who seem to enjoy it. I feel it's a very Gaki Nofuchi no pro thing to be doing uh, with my life. Uh, it's, it's a niche stream of a niche subject, but I have a, a, a good time doing it. And uh, the three people who regularly uh, view it also seem to like it. So, um uh, yeah, yeah, check check it out if you if you're into the Yakuza series or Final Fantasy fourteen, and you want to know what the hell this Mahjong thing is all about, then uh, I will teach you. Just uh, just uh, I'll be your hookup, brother. And uh, I believe that is it. So uh, it falls to me now to say thank you very much for listening. We so we'll, we'll, I'll do a second outro. Um, I've been George Thompson. Thank you very much to David and Luke for appearing on the podcast. We will be back uh, as usual as soon as we feel like it. Uh, so thanks for listening to the Puro Puro podcast. And uh, may 2022 be everything you desired and more. Okay, bye.